Giants, and you with Real Talk Sports. All right, guys, we are here uh, back at our favorite spot, the Holiday Inn and Suites in Stockbridge, Georgia. And uh, I am, of course, your host, the Minister, Jonathan Simmons, and we're excited to be out here uh, for another night. Now, you guys that follow us, you know, that last night you logged on Real Talk Sports, you said, what on earth? There's some folks that was trying to do some singing because we came out as a favor to uh, the lovely Mr. Eddie McNeil, the sales manager, and Jason, our GM, and came out and filmed a little bit of their karaoke uh, which was very interesting. But of course, sitting right next to me, I have a guy that applied his trade at the flats at Georgia Tech, right in Midtown Atlanta. One of the best ever to lace him up at Georgia Tech. Uh, on the 1990 championship team, back in those days, they called him Captain America. But to us, he's well, he's always been. Ken Swilling is in the building. Yeah, good evening, sir. How are you? Uh, sir, fantastic. Good to be back in the building. Uh, good to be here. Um, and, uh, you know, always good to talk some sports. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to uh, I'm going to enjoy this. Um, I'm going to try to enjoy all of these days here because uh, for those of you who uh, do follow us and know, I have to go in uh, for what they call the reconnect uh, surgery. Uh, I'm going to going to good Lord willing get my uh, uh, pre-op exam on June the 12th, and then hopefully and prayerfully, if everything is okay, we'll go in there on uh, June the 20th, and uh, we should be a okay and uh, good to go. Uh, from there, so uh, like I said, brother, hopefully I have some good news. Well, you will. I'm hoping it'll be better than new. That's my that's my goal. Oh well, you, you will be. And uh, everything that, as as the word say, we have to speak those things that be not as if they are. As if they all. Amen. <laughs> Amen. 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 Well, yeah, we are excited about the idea of uh, being better than new, and that's what we're going to continue to cling to. Uh, that idea that we will, in fact, be better than new. Uh, we hope to have some great guests on with us uh, tonight. Uh, we hope to have uh, our good friend, B. Orlando Ledbetter. I need to tell him what time to call us in. I think we're going to bring him in probably around the uh, 7.30 or 7.40 uh, time frame so he can uh, talk to us about what's going on with the Falcons. Uh, and also um, – He's going to give us an idea of what Julio is. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I'm asking. Uh, you know, I know he kind of grilled uh, Julio a little bit, so we're going to talk about that. And um, you know, um, you know. Hopefully, he will uh, give us the good news. That uh, I mean, here's the thing. I mean, the bottom line is, is that I think as much ado about nothing, personally speaking. But you know, maybe not. <laughs> so most of the time, it is, and it probably is. I know it is. But we have to, uh, for all of us uh, talking heads and those who enjoy talking about uh, all things Falcons, all things sports, uh, we have to. Uh, Talk about something, and it's and it's a slow cycle right now, and uh, the NFL kind of dominates this town and this city, so everybody's excited and and trying to figure out um, what's going to happen with our uh, beloved Falcons, and we want everybody to be in camp, we want everybody to be where we want them to be, and my whole thing is as long as Dan Quinn and those who are in authority uh, know what Mr. Uh, Julio Jones is and know what's happening with him. I'm fine with it. I have no problem with it. And I'm not one for watching another man's money anyway. So, Hey, man, because you've been there, done that, bro. So, I mean, you don't have to – you already know what time it is. And, and really, at the end of the day, uh, like you said, as long as management is pleased with, uh, you know, what he's got going on, then we're going we're gonna to just keep it moving <laughs> and let it go with that. Well, listen, guys, we actually have the uh, phone lines are now officially open. Uh, you can give us a call at uh, 347 326 
888-346-9991. You can join us on the live broadcast, and we'll dial you on in so you can be a part of the Real Talk Sports show. Well, let's uh, get to a little bit of NBA. I wanted to wait till, till Miles came in. But actually, before we do this, uh, let's, let's kind of give something so people can uh, talk about here. What, what is, what's your feeling about this continual problem with, you know, uh, with the police being called on black people for just anything? And we had a situation with the young man in Milwaukee uh, that that's been getting a lot of notoriety and a lot of buzz news um, about the way he was handled. I guess the brother got tasered when he was in the uh, restaurant. So, uh, I, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, it, and I, I think I'm going to wait till at the end of the broadcast to really kind of put my preacher hat on and speak to these issues because I'm really getting kind of uh, – I got a lot of things in my mind that I just – I just think that we, we need to kind of do better, folks. I mean, this is not brain surgery. Um, we we're, we're just have to do better. People have to have a calmer mindset. Uh, they have to have better sensibilities when they are doing things, and they have to understand that, you know, you just can't go off emotion. You can't go off of anger. You can't go off of fear. But you have to really kind of follow uh, what it is that you're supposed to be doing. So, I mean, I am just really want to encourage people, man, during this time, and I'll talk to you about it more at the end of the broadcast, that we just have to kind of, we got to do better than this, man, because it's just like we, we, we're acting kind of crazy. <laughs> I, I, I agree, and um, I, I'll let you speak to those things, but, <laughs> but I, I, I do agree. I think that um, you know, uh, all black guys aren't bad. All right. black guys aren't thugs. Uh, all you know, black people don't do bad stuff, and um, you know, we don't have to necessarily fight for who belong in this society, but. You know, and, and not that we're doing that, but we, we, we you, everybody wants to wants to be treated equally. Right. And if we just follow the golden rule of treating others how we want to be treated, then that sums up everything for me. If you treat people the way you desire to be treated, then uh, nine out of ten times everything is going to uh, transpire smoothly. Yeah, I really think that's it. And I think that uh, you know, at the end of the day, if we if we in fact again just keep to the basics, I mean, that's the one thing that Jesus said when he was here. He made uh, following him uh, a very simple premise, you know, basically based on three things. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, and thy strength. Love your neighbor like yourself. He said, good news, just those two things hinge everything that you see in your Bible. Ain't that something? All that stuff we'll be talking about, we worry about all these different kinds of things. He said, hey, just do this. Love God, love your neighbor. And, hey, you know, got the whole thing wrapped up. So uh, that's what we want to encourage people to do today. Um, and um, that's it. And the other thing, too, is that, I hope that people went out and voted yesterday, uh, and hopefully they voted with conscience, um, and, you know, went out and did what you had to do. Oh, yeah. yeah and, and I definitely did that. Uh, I didn't bring my little sticker today, but... <laughs> yeah, mine fell off. I'll admit that. But mm-hmm. I, I, I did go out, and I always try to participate in, in all of these uh, uh, times that we have to do civic duty and uh, and vote. I mean, in the, it's a primary. It's a uh, kind of a midterm year, so it's a very important year. And uh, it was a primary election, very important election in the state of Georgia. Uh, so we want to encourage people to get out and vote. And um, and you know you can still the 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 prim- the, the, the midterms are coming up, so you still got a chance to if you didn't vote in this election, you still got a chance to vote in the upcoming election. So uh, get out and vote and uh, and do what you're supposed to do. Yeah, that's really that's that's really it, guys. We don't, you know, we're not going to get too political. I know everybody's about to go off the rail. Hey, listen, I get it. I know that that uh, you know you're hearing this more and more on various sports shows that people are getting a little frustrated um, because the intertwining of sports 
and politics and things that are going on. But at the end of the day, um, you know, the, if, if people would just act right, and if people would be, I'm, I'm just serious, man, if people would act right, you know, we wouldn't have all this stuff. And really a lot of it is just, you know, us having conversations with one another and being real and honest and then trying to come up with some solutions. And speaking of that, um, like I said, again, please, you know, if you don't get a chance to listen to the whole broadcast live, go back in here and I'm going to give you a, a link to a blog that I wrote. I wrote it a while back, but I think it's pretty straightforward and kind of giving you some actual solutions. And hopefully I myself, me, will actually be a part of that solution as well um, because one of the things I realize is it's one thing to say a thing, but it's another to do a thing. Do a thing. You're right. You're right. So uh, that's what I'm looking to do is to get more involved and uh, to be part of what's uh, you know happening out there. Well, um, we're going to not wait for miles any longer. Uh, okay. You're going to have to you know, catch it when he catches it. Catch it when he catches it. Right. Um, NBA playoffs, um, it's, it's getting getting kind of tight. Oh, yeah. It's getting kind of tight it's, up it's, here. As I said, it's getting kind of heavy. It's getting kind of heavy. It's getting kind of heavy. But I tell you, these two series have really came down to, um, you know, uh, to the uh, to the to the crust of the season pretty much. And uh, now we're getting ready to see what Houston is made out of tonight. Um, We'll see if King James can can go back home and defend home court again tomorrow uh, tomorrow night. So it's going to be uh, very interesting to to see and very interesting to see, to uh, to be a part of uh, and see what can really happen. Uh, let me ask you this, Minister. Yes, sir. Uh, do you think Houston has an opportunity? Uh, not not just an opportunity, but do you think they have a legitimate chance? Not only do they have a legitimate chance. Um, but they actually have a legitimate chance to actually be the NBA champions when this is all said and done. Wow. Um, because one of the problems that you always run into, and of course, I mean, you know, because you, you played uh, at uh, virtually every level, is that injuries are that wild card yes. that can all of a sudden take all bets off. Right. And uh, one thing I heard uh, the other night when it was mentioned the Golden State injuries, I heard Charles Barkley. I know he has to do that because you know, that's him. But he was all, yeah, well, those guys just role players. And what I had to remind people is on Twitter, time out. One of the quote-unquote role players that you mentioned, uh, Andre Iguodala, we, we are aware that the first championship that Golden State won, he was the finals MVP. Right. Okay. He wasn't some just role player. And had it not been for LeBron, uh, taking that extra step and really getting off his field spectacular block, Andre would have probably been in the short mention again because he was going for a game-tying layup right, exactly. in Game 7 of the time they lost. I mean, right. what are you talking about? Uh, just a role player. You know, this is, it's, it's just – it's very much like when the Celtics won, I believe, their first title. You know, everybody talked about Larry Bird and Kevin McHale, but the MVP was Cedric Cornbread Maxwell. Cornbread Maxwell, yes. And matter of fact, uh, it was good to see him. Uh, he actually now uh, is, travels with the Celtics. He's one of their uh, you know, home team commentators. Guy looks good. Uh, good to see him. But, yeah, man, this is what people don't understand. You have to – you need a team. And right now, when you're talking with uh, Iggy being injured, when you're talking about one of their other uh, role players being injured, it now shortens that bench. And, and here's another thing that nobody really – what they're talking about, and Steph just kind of rolled it off. It, as much as we were, you know, just excited about – you know, Steph Curry and the onslaught that he's put on three-pointers, the realities are is that he's not yet been a finals MVP, okay? Because, uh, like I said, Iggy won the other one, and, uh, and KD won number two. Right. Uh, the other thing is, is that he has had these moments, which I know great shooters do have, but he has some times where he'd be red hot and then he'd be like the refrigerator. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's all part of being a, a, a prolific scorer that, like he is and a great shooter like he is. 
you're gonna, you, I mean, you're gonna take some shots. You, he's, and the one thing I like about him, he's not afraid to shoot it. Oh no, but he's gonna keep shooting. He's gonna keep shooting. Yeah, he, he let everybody know. He say, hey, it's coming. Yeah, and and that's the thing about it. And you know, I, I, I you know, I agree with you with the, with the Houston uh, theory. I think that they have an opportunity. Um, I think that they have uh, more more than a valid uh, opportunity to really do some things. They've got the next two the two out of the next three games will be uh, in Houston. Uh, so that will give them opportunity to have home court advantage, uh, which could or could not mean anything. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. Yeah. Because you, I mean, you really just, I mean, at the end of the day, um, you know, when you get to this level here, um, you really have a situation where people are, uh, are, um, you know, they're in the situation. We're going to try this. We're going to try to see if this will work. Here. We're trying to see if we're going to take a on-air call on our cell phone. Let's give it a shot. All right. That was the uh, lovely Jim Mackey. She is uh, now about to be in the building. And uh, we're going to repost the call-in line right now on um, um, on social media. Facebook. On Facebook. We'll put it in right here for you here. And I'll just announce it also. Call-in line is 347-326-9991. Again, 347-326-9991. You actually can call in and we can squeeze you in and get you in as part of the live Facebook broadcast. And if you are listening and liking what you hear and liking what you're seeing, please don't be afraid to like and share the show with your friends. Please Thank do it. You. And also, uh, to that regard, please like the page and turn on the notifications because, you know, we're always out and about doing there different things. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, depending on how this whole pre-surgery, post-surgery thing goes, I think the captain and I will be making – uh, uh, another pilgrimage up to Flowery Branch oh, 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 oh. Uh, yes. to, to take a peek at our hometown Falcons. They are now there. We, we, I know you guys were like, well, bro, we ain't get the rookie stuff like we did last year. The OTAs, I got you, boys. But, uh, you know, uh, this is right now, at least temporarily, still a labor of love. And so the minister, uh, his car is limited with the amount of miles it can currently drive. And flower branches outside the pale right now, so <laughs> so that's why y'all ain't getting no inside stuff like last year. With the bottom line, here's the good news: I will post some stuff from last year. <laughs> last year, it, it looked like this year. Y'all ain't gonna know because they, they they dress the same uniform. I'm just joking, <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Kind of, kind of, sort of. Kind of, sort of. Understand what you're saying. Kind of, sort of. This is what we're going to do here. Um, we're going to uh, take a quick little break here. We're going to run a little commercial so we can get the lady, Miss Jennifer Mackey, set up. Run the building, listen to the Real Talk Sports Show. Keep it locked right here for a Attention promoters, event organizers, and committees. If you're looking for a place to have your next big event, you must check out the C-Room Multiplex. The C-Room Multiplex cordially invites you to book your next artist or to host your next big event at the C-Room. Specializing in the following areas, CD release parties, showcases, fashion shows, movie premieres, birthday celebrations, wedding receptions, banquets, pastor's anniversaries, special events, and more. At the C-Room Multiplex, we also offer catering and decorating packages. For more information, call us, 678-823-5124. That's 678-823-5124. Or visit us on the web at croomatlanta.com. That's c-roomatlanta.com. The C-Room is Atlanta's premier Christian entertainment venue. The C-Room, 4013A Jonesboro Road, Forest Park, Georgia. Mention this ad for special pricing. 
This is Minister Jonathan Simmons, host of the Real Talk Sports Show. Do you like the positive sports stories you've been hearing? Well, partner with us to help keep the good news of sports on the air. We have great audio, video, and internet advertising packages available to promote any size business or event. Contact me directly at 678-410-9833 or send me an email. Sales at realtalksports.net. We'd love to partner with you to keep the good news in sports on the air. back welcome to atlanta you know that uh, theme song from back in the day uh they were trying to accomplish something to uh kind of promote the city of atlanta i guess it was kind of all right i guess i'm not it was wildly successful i don't know what you talk about yeah. <laughs> Look, i'm still bobbing my head for that song uh, okay i just had to i want to make sure everybody was listening all right. okay evidently everybody was yeah, it was, they, they, were, they were right and now um before we get started back into our situation yes sir uh, Jen has got to turn around so that people don't people see, see right, right. that we just have hair talking. But right. There we go. And we're going we're gonna to actually have her kind of turn her chair like kind of catty corner here so she, y'all can see her. Y'all can see me from the side. Right. And we're going to uh, get her set up and uh, make sure that y'all can see her. We might have, she might have to uh, hold, the, hold the mic in her hand from time to time just so she doesn't have to kind of swing around so much, boys. But we want to make sure y'all see her. And look who she's representing here. The, Always. Now, now you, May is high school. Oh, right. Here we go. May. Here we go. Everybody ever tell you the story of Minnesota? Uh, no, I'm about to get it right now. I'm about to get it right now. Oh, here we go. When I first came to Atlanta back in 1988. Who are you telling our age? Oh, I know, I know, I know. I just want them to know that I know. <laughs> but uh, I came to Atlanta, and I thought there were only three schools in Atlanta, because I'm from a small country town. Yes, sir. If you didn't go to Southwest, the cab, because most of my people lived in Decatur. The deck. The deck. So, you know, you thought that it, I thought it was Southwest the cab. I thought it was Mays, and I thought it was Douglas. Those were the only three schools I heard about when I first came in. And really, Southwest the cab didn't count. I'm going to count Mays and Douglas just because we APS. Wow. We're really Atlanta. Southwest the cab, that's not Atlanta. Yeah, it's not. That's on that other side of town. It, 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 it's on the other side, but, you know, and for a long time, I thought it That's was it. only Maze and, and, and Doug because everybody, and, and they still to this day have great pride and uh, great um, school spirit as yes. far as. Uh, yes, That's when, That's when APS was the real APS, the old Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> well, My folks know what I'm talking about. I'm very fond of APS, and uh, we are committed to uh, get uh, APS back with us again. Uh, we, we were uh, very fortunate to follow Maze on their wonderful journey to the uh, to the state championship game, and uh, was there live uh, on the field uh, to see that uh, uh, heartbreaking. I'm not. Uh, it's still too soon, Jonathan. You saw the look on my face. Like, well, you're right. Yeah, it's still too soon. Yeah, it, it, listen, it, it was uh, it was hard, but but I can tell you, it was really. It, it's funny because you know it, it's it, it, it they, it's amazing how two events kind of mirrored themselves. Um, that run that Mays had was mirrored literally four years later when the Falcons made their run. Yeah. It was the same vibe in the city. I mean, people that really, yeah, they follow high school football Friday Night Lights. When in the city, I saw people energized in a way I'd not seen before. And the thing that was really amazing is to, to get a chance to meet and understand that so many people I knew were, in fact, Southwest DeKalb and uh, uh, the graduates, and, and they were guys that were a part of that last year, the Southwest Atlanta team that actually won a state title for the city. And to see right. these guys there on the field, I mean, I looked at them, they were like little boys. 
Yeah. Really, eyes were all bright. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. And so it was very, very exciting. We saw the same thing, uh, obviously, when the Falcons made their run. So uh, we know that this city, it, it gets pretty crunk, man, when we got something going in the city. Yeah. And, you know, that's from a guy who lives out in the suburbs. In the city, man, is a whole different vibe. And, you know, it's surprising, I think, that people, when, when you talk about the city of Atlanta, people really don't think football. Right. And right. I think that that team at Mays kind of, you know, put us, on the map, as well as our Fulton County schools. You got Westlake that was doing well that year. They have a lot of schools. I'm so proud of our uh, South of Atlanta right. schools that yep. um, are, are trying to put together winning programs. We're, you know, and what we were trying to do at Mays is kind of mirror what they're doing up in the Gwinnett with the big, with the big schools. Um, so that was Dr. Smith and um, Coach Jarvis. That's kind of what our, our focus was. We wanted we wanted that team to kind of put football on the map for Atlanta. Well, no doubt it worked. I mean, uh, like you said, they were the talk of the town, uh, talk of really the state. Uh, first, I believe the first Ken high school football team to field a starting offensive line that averaged 300 pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we had the biggest. He, he knows. We, we, we played there. We had the biggest offensive oh, line. Oh, 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 they, they beat us, though. Okay. They, but we went to the state championship. Oh, so I'm going to just this, beat us that year. This was a different division. It was a different division. Y'all five. Y'all were class five. <laughs> we were six eight at the time. All right. So we're going to do this. We have our first caller of the evening. I believe this is, uh, I see the number from the 313, so it might be a, a good buddy of this program. Uh, got to oversee checkup sports. I believe Shimon Beasley is in the house. Hello. Hello, brother. You there? Hello. Hello. Well, we have someone else. Yes. Who's calling, please? Welcome to the Real Talk no, Sports Show. Hello. This is, hello. Thank you for having me. This is Lana Cox Tishin out of Detroit, Michigan area. And Shimon okay. had me to call in. How's everyone? Well, I, I'm excited that you decided to call us in, ma'am. So um, tell us really quick a little bit about your practice. Tell us the name, and even you can go ahead and this this is your thirty seconds. Go ahead, you just your little elevator speech. Go ahead. Oh my gosh, my elevator elevator speech. Okay, so my name is Lana Coxon. I am a clinical dietitian, again out of the Detroit area, and the name of my business is Lana Coxon Nutrition. And what we do is we provide nutrition to patients that may um, have diabetes, high blood pressure. Another area of expertise for us is celiac disease, and that's that's the person that cannot consume gluten. They have to avoid wheat, rye, barley, and oats. And it's actually an auto-inherited autoimmune disease. So we function in all those different, um, in all those different areas, as well as um, gastrointestinal conditions like Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis. So we also try to work with the microbiome as well. Wow, it seems like you guys are really doing uh, <laughs> some big things. Yeah, you know, well, you know it's funny you mentioned about. about um, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, first of all, two things. Um, I don't know if you can turn the volume up on your phone anymore. We we can hear you, but we can just use just a little bit more volume. And the other thing is, it really is amazing to me uh, the number of food allergies that people seem to have been afflicted with in these last 20 years. I mean, this onslaught of, I mean, gluten-free. I mean, it used to be that bread was, I mean, the main staple of life, really. <laughs> It's amazing that you would say that because that's what we've always been taught. And the interesting thing is, you know, I'm personally a Christian, so I do read the Bible. I've studied the Bible. And when we look at it, of course, we know that Jesus ate wheat. But what I always try to explain to people is the wheat that Jesus consumed 
over 2,000 years ago is not the wheat that we're consuming now, especially in this country. The wheat is different. Right. It actually contains a lot more chromosomes than the wheat that Jesus consumed. And all of that makes a difference. And it's, another thing that's interesting is the microbiome. And when I say microbiome or microbiota, that's actually the bacteria and the microorganisms that live in our gastrointestinal tract. If anything happens with that and it actually becomes, it's just different. That whole environment is different for, for, um, because of so many different reasons. It could be um, exposed to a lot of antibiotics. It could be actually what we're eating. So many different factors that can change the microbiome. And if that microbiome changes, that, that could actually change what our immune system sees as friend or foe. So some of these proteins that we're eating and some of these green proteins like wheat could actually cause our immune system to overreact and then cause that whole overreaction response to take place. Wow. Tell you, man, it's, it's just it's amazing how much you got to think about when you think about this food. Like, I mean, seriously, you know, but like she said, the wheat that we're eating now is not the same you know, as they were eating then. And it's the same with milk. I was telling somebody, everybody's allergic to milk now. Right. But think about it. Now milk lasts seven days past the expiration date. Didn't we have a milkman back in the day? Yeah, we did. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. So milk, crazy. <laughs> right. Milk wouldn't last, well, you know, two, three days at the most. Now it's lasting three weeks. Well, I grew up on a farm, so milk was daily. Right. <laughs> right. Exactly. Oh, yeah. really right. Fresh. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and think well, about it, coronavirus had issues, right? You know, we were able to drink milk when we were all growing up growing up with an, without an issue. Now, you would be surprised how many people in my practice, they just cannot tolerate it. And we're talking different mm-hmm. ethnicities because we know that African Americans, we have a tendency to be lactose intolerant because we didn't cultivate the cow. So that lactase enzyme didn't really have a reason to become active in our uh, gastrointestinal tract. So we typically are lactose intolerant. But then you have other ethnicities that did cultivate the cow, and they still end up lactose intolerant. So we got some things going on with our gut, and I agree with, with my sister here. I mean, how in the world is milk lasting that long? This is something that's natural, carbon-based. How is it lasting that long? This is not right. So I agree with you, my sister. Exactly. It's just not, it's just not normal. And like you said, I'm, I'm sure, like you said, you're seeing it in your practice. Yes. Yeah, and it's very unfortunate because now, of course, if you can't, and then I have to differentiate, is it the sugar, which is lactose, that you can't tolerate in milk, or is it the protein casein, or is it both? So then you have to try to differentiate because lactose is the sugar. Whenever someone has an allergy, they're allergic to the protein and not the sugar. So that has to be differentiated. And then some people, they're allergic to foods they have an allergy to casein, which is the protein found in milk, and they're lactose intolerant. Uh, that's the case. Oh, wow. If trying to drink like a lactate, yeah. So even if they're trying to drink a lactate milk, it's not going to make a difference because it still has that casein protein. Wow. See, I, you learn something every day. Every Thank day. you. I just learned something new today. Well, that's big right there. That's probably, well, you know, that's probably why they had to kind of go in and, and do some alterations in my system because mm-hmm. all that stuff I've been mixing up and matching up and, um, it really is amazing. Well, listen, uh, you you really have done a great job in enlightening us on some of the stuff that we need to be on the lookout for. Uh, one more time, please, before you go, uh, how we can follow you on social media, if you have a, a website, all that kind of good stuff, so people can find out more information. Absolutely. I can be followed on Instagram. It's R.D. Lana Coxton. 
without the underscore. Lana is R D Lana Coxton on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook, um, Lana Phelps Coxton on Facebook. And my web designer is going to get me because it's, I guess, a horse before the carriage. My website is under construction, but it will be complete by next week. And that's just Lana Coxton, um, com. Well, there you go right okay. there. Well, well, listen, it now, you know, I hate to kind of cut across anybody, but, you know, if you ever have a web or social media problem, you can contact me at Christian Media Enterprises. We do all types of <laughs> social media and web design. You can take care of that. Wait, wait, while he's doing the shameless plug, I need, I need to call <laughs> talk to you then. See, folks, that's why, because if, if you don't say nothing, you don't get nothing. So I'm just putting it out there. Close mouth, don't get don't paid. Get bad, so you can call us up at uh, 678 four one zero ninety eight thirty three and we'll be more than happy to help you out or you can send us an email uh to JS at Christian Media Enterprises dot net and that's my plug. Listen, we appreciate you so much. God bless you and uh we look forward to having you on again real soon. Thank you. Nice meeting everyone. Take care. All right, have a great one. Okay, so just never know what you're going to get. I know, I know, I know. But, but like you said, you grew up on a farm, so you know what fresh is. You're and right, this stuff right, we're right. getting in the store is is not the same. When my uncle comes from Elberton, Georgia, with, you know, the fresh turnip greens. Y'all be getting all them, all them Georgia names. I, mean, I came from Connecticut. Y'all be, people be talking about Tacoa and Elberton. I'm like, oh, where, yeah. where, where them at? And then I realized that there must be something in the water out there in Tacoma <laughs> because I don't know so many guys that have played in the league. Uh-huh. I'm like, well, how big is the town? Oh, wait. Tacoma puts that, yeah, but Tacoma puts out some football players. That's what I'm saying. Now. I mean, yeah. I mean, all these guys, man, I'm like, well, where are you from? It's in the water. Tacoma. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's in so, the water. It's funny. We, we've only had one guy that I can remember. Um, with Dell Davis, I played with Dell Davis uh, in high school, and he went on to play at Clemson. Went on to play years in the NBA, and he's the only guy out of out of a group of guys that grew to be NBA kind of size. They're like six eleven. Because when he first started out, he started started out playing football. He was like six four. Are you wow. serious? Like six, four, and, and going up through, um, he was six four in, in like the eighth grade. Of him. Oh wow! <laughs> and then all okay. of a sudden, when he got to the and, and couldn't dribble, couldn't do anything. Then when he got into middle into high school, he was about in the ninth grade, tenth grade. He was about six six, and wasn't really that great. And then all of a sudden, between his junior and his senior year, he grew about five inches. He's about six eleven. He's about two hundred forty pounds, and everybody in the world knew who he was. <laughs> and Dale was no, was no joke. Joe, look, you can ask my aunt. He's going up against <laughs> Dale, and when he was at Georgia Tech. Plenty of times, right. and he will tell you that's one of uh, his toughest uh, competitors. So yeah, Dale used to do his thing. Yeah, yeah. So that, that was kind of uh, that's he was our claim of fame in, in in basketball, and of course everybody else at plays football. So <laughs> wow. Well, like I said, man. I mean, just there's something in that water that y'all put out. Well, there. you know the swillers. I don't know what they were doing oh, that, yeah. on that farm. That's oh my goodness, that yeah, was real strong. <laughs> Well, okay, speaking of football, it seems like we might have the right time because I believe we have one of our uh, featured guests on the line. Uh, I think that we have the one and only, if I can crank him up there, D-Led, is that you, sir? Greetings, Brother Johnson. Thanks for having me on the show today. Well, brother, it's good to hear your voice. Uh, everybody, I was here actually at the Holiday Inn doing some stuff. They have a uh, karaoke night. I was not singing. I was tempted to jump up there and do something, but... I, 
I thought better of it. Didn't we talk about that last week? <laughs> yes, all right. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, we uh, they did let me get a shameless plug in for the show, and I said from time to time I'm graced with some of the you know the very best uh, sports talk guys in the nation, and I said uh, you guys familiar with ninety two point nine? I said, well, you. You hear gentlemen that's the embedded feet beat rider for the Falcons. And as soon as I mentioned D Letty, oh man, D Letty's on your show. I said, Yeah, from time to time he takes a takes a break and, and uh, hangs out with the minister. So brother again, we appreciate you so much, man, for taking time out of your schedule uh to join us here on the show. Sure, no problem. Thanks for having me and uh, appreciate the kind words, uh for you know, and the, uh, you know, it's always a pleasure to come on and talk with real talk sports. Well, brother, here it is. I mean, everybody has been uh, chomping at the bit. Um, you know, first thing Ken said to me, he says, okay, d let come along. He said, he's going to tell us about Julio. So, uh, <laughs> so I said, well, brother, what you uh, let's, let's get right to it, Ken. Uh, what you you want to know where he is or what's going on? Hey, uh, d uh where is Julio? You yeah, got a Julio watch going on in the city. Yeah, no, he's over in Tuscaloosa, uh, working out at Alabama in the mornings, uh, doing uh, you know two or three times a week over there, uh, just kind of working out on his own while the team uh, and his representation go through some uh, business uh, issues. You know, the the uh, wide receiver salary uh, cap went up over the off season. Uh, the top receiver is making eighteen million, and he's the seventh highest paid receiver at. Ten point five million straight cash. Well, that's the twelfth highest, and then the seventh cap number wise, twelve point four. So you know, a little adjustments in order. Uh, nobody was frowning when when the uh, uh, gentleman, Mr. Tepper, paid two point two billion for the Panthers. So you know, the fans uh, no. don't seem to um, get upset. I think the players, and you know, I'm I'm from the the players get all the money you can school. So I, I'm not real upset about it unless he's. Not going to be there on uh, September the 6th when they line up in Philadelphia. I, I agree. I, I'm the same way. I, I believe Julio deserves uh, anything that he can get, and he has to get what he can right now because uh, this could be one of his last, um, you know, contract negotiations, um, you know, because at the end of this deal he'll be, what, 32 years old, and I don't know, you know, um, anybody but LeBron James that gets, that gets better after 32, you know. Yeah, well, you know, the only only uh, wide receiver, and this is old school, and only I, I know you know who it is, but uh, Charlie Joyner played till he was 40, you know, out of Grambling. Right. Right. Uh, uh, but, you know, we haven't seen wide receivers this big play that long. So, uh, you know, even Keyshawn didn't play that long. Calvin Johnson quit at 30. Um, you know, Terrell Orange went to 33. Uh, so, you know, uh, this is probably the last chance he's going to get to make sure his money is right in the NFL while he's at or near the peak of his career. Yeah, good stuff. I, you know, I totally agree. Uh, I think it's it's time for Julio to uh, show me the what, what do they say? Show me the money. <laughs> so I think he's he's worth every penny. Well, the realities are, if you look at the stats on this guy, he's had uh, four consecutive years of 1,400 yards receiving or better. That puts him in a very, very small category of men that have done that. Uh, the, the only thing really that anybody can say that's been a knock on Julio, because he's a warrior, the guy plays through injuries that most people would be sidelined with, especially when you're talking about, you know, Ken, you're talking about turf toes and, and things where you have, uh, you know, feet problems. But... He, for some reason, the Falcons can't seem to consistently get him in the end zone. His numbers have actually declined you know, pretty dramatically 
or the last two years, he went from nine to six to last year, obviously three. So that's about the only stickling point you got with Mr. Jones at this point. So who do we blame it at all? I don't know. Do you like what do you think? Who's, who, where's the issue there? Um, it's, it's on everybody. I'm going to blame it on Julio. He had 19 targets last year and only caught five balls in the red zone. Uh, so, you know, that's way below standard for uh, uh, Antonio Brown. Uh, they, he's getting double covered in the, the red zone, so that's uh, another issue with regards to play calling and the scheme. Uh, maybe he gets a better ball from Matt Ryan and Philly who catches that ball, and, uh, you know, they go, they're going in the playoffs. So, you know, spread it all the way around. Call Julio out for, uh, you know, not catching the ball in the red zone as proficiently as he does outside the red zone. Or, or, or you know, maybe Ryan for overthrowing him. He had a drop in the end zone against Carolina. You know, don't hide. Tell the truth. It's it goes to everybody. Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, and Steve Sarkeesian, the play caller. That's why I like you, D-Lay, right there, because you keep it real. Yeah, spread, look, spread the blame around. <laughs> well, that's what you have to do, man. And and, and that's and that's really the thing I think that everybody really is um, – is is looking at is that you know there is blame to go around, but he's going to have to do something to get in the red zone because if you look at his peers, if you look at uh, Antonio Brown, you look at his numbers over the last uh, three years. I'm going to pull them up right now. Okay, he's looking at this. He's got uh, 1,600 yards, 1,800 yards, 1,300 and 1,500 have been Antonio Brown's last three years, but his numbers as far as TDs are 13, 10, 12, and last year he fell off at nine. Uh, but the other thing, too, is, is that if you look at, like you said, the percentage that catches versus targeting, you know, you're talking, you know, that's like 23 or 30 percent. Yeah, that number, that's not going to that's not going to hunt at all, bro. No, no doubt. And I mean, what do you do to you? Um, uh, in Philly, they tried to run a quick outie slip. Uh, you know, they tried to run phase, and they didn't throw the ball high enough. They tried to get him the ball out of the backfield on crossing routes. Uh you know, they've tried everything, but they need to find something that works, and they haven't been able to do that on a consistent basis. You know, whether they run an in-cut or out-cut or even a pick play of some kind of sort that uh, that needs to work. But, uh, uh, you know, the fade certainly seems like a route he should be able to run and be able to out-jump people on on a consistent basis. And they, they practice that, but we don't see that in the game. Yeah, he's got to definitely get that turned around because really that's the missing component in his game. I think that's the missing component with the Falcons. I mean, you know, it's funny. He hasn't had a double-figure touchdown catch season since his first full-time season back in 2012. That's the last time he's had double figures. He had 10. Uh, the rest of the time he's been at six. He was eight. We had that monster year in 2015. They got to find a way to utilize this guy's skill because, as you mentioned, uh, you know, he, he, that 29, like I pointed out to people a couple of weeks ago, uh, 29 was the same age that Roddy White heard about uh, the Falcons moving up in the draft to pick a, a young stud out of Alabama named Julio Jones. So to me, it's a great irony that uh, Julio Jones, as he's just approaching his 29th birthday, is now looking at uh, another young stud out of Alabama that the Falcons draft in the first round. Yeah, no question about it. But, you know, Calvin's more uh, of a back-of-the-first-round guy like Roddy was. I think 26 and 29, uh, 26 both are in that same area. Whereas, you know, Julio was a mortgage the whole draft to go get him. So, I, I, you know, I don't think um, 
it's the same in that regard that they're bringing in somebody that, that you know is going to be the number one guy in the, in the future. But the, certainly they need another weapon, and Calvin Ridley is uh, shown that he can get open and catch the football. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're counting on Julio being number one for a while here. And maybe, just maybe, really does develop into, you know, that type of receiver where he can carry the offense. As far as Julio's touchdowns, again, um, Reverend Johnson, maybe it's not just a red zone issue. Maybe it's an issue of hitting in what they call the high red zone or right outside of the red zone or, um, you know, hitting on 30 and a 35-yard plays for Julio or Julio breaking some more and not running out of bounds and taking it to the house some more, some more yards after the catch. There are a lot of other ways to get into the end zone, and certainly when it's compacted down there, it's going to be a lot tougher for him to do his thing. But they got to come up with a way to figure that out. You know, two touchdown passes uh, from Matt Ryan last year is, you know, not going to cut it. You know, the other touchdown passes from Muhammad Sanu. So, you know, he needs to be here working on his craft with his quarterback. But, you know, because of the business situation, that's not the case. So, you know, they'll have to put in the time at some point in order for this offense to continue to thrive or in order for it to rebound in 2018. What do you see uh, in that uh, rookie camp? Um, uh, did you like what you see uh, with Ridley and some of the other guys up there? Um especially uh, some of the later picks. Uh, everybody's been talking about this young man. I know I'm pronouncing his name wrong. I guess it's Sonat. Am I getting it right? It's supposed to be a, uh, a Grady Jarrett clone. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about what you saw in that, those first uh, rookie days? Yeah, um, rookie minicamp went great, and then we were in OTAs this week. We got to watch the whole section. Uh, Sonat looks good. Uh, Russell Gage, the sixth-round pick out of Louisville, is uh, certainly a playmaker. Or, or looks like he's going to be able to be one. Ridley looks fine. Uh, the defense is all the way down at the other end of the barn, so I didn't get to see um, Isaiah Oliver much. But uh, we certainly did uh, uh, see Foyer Ulakon, the linebacker from Yale, and he looked good too. So, uh, you know, I think we, the Falcons have some draft picks that could run and certainly help them on special teams. And maybe in Ridley and Sinat's case, actually get on the field and contribute as uh, first-year players in the NFL. I tell you, man, everything is about uh, that depth and quality of of players that you can get in those lower rounds because it, it is clear that right now that uh, the quarterback's getting paid. You know, what I mean, no doubt about it. Let me ask you a question. I heard some floated out there. I'm, I'm gonna ask you guys the same question. What do you think? Teddy Bruschi floated out the idea, I guess, a year ago about the quarterbacks having a separate, um, a separate salary cap uh, to allow teams to be able to play and keep some of their other players. You know, because you got a situation now where you know these these quarterbacks are eating up how much? Twenty five, thirty percent of the total salary cap. Yeah. What do you think about that, Dilek? Well, I'm, I'm a, I would be against that, you know, because the system awards good management. If you manage your salary cap properly and do not overpay the quarterback, then you will have money to spend on the proper players. The, uh, they've elected to overpay Jimmy Garoppolo. They elected to overpay Kirk Cousins. They uh, elected to overpay Kurt, uh, Matthew Stafford. They have not won a single game in the playoffs 
but somebody deemed them worthy of these contracts. So, uh, you know, the management has made that decision, and, you know, they can't come back then on the back end and say, well, we can't pay uh, for our linebackers. No, you could pay for them. You overpaid for your quarterback. So the system awards good management, and uh, teams that manage their cap properly don't overpay for the quarterback or at any other position. Ken, what do you think? I mean, I, I agree with D-Lay. That was very, very well spoken. That was very well said and laid out. Uh, I mean, you can't go come back and, and, and once you've overpaid for somebody. And there is no return on the investment. And now all of a sudden you want to be able to, to pay other guys because you realize, hey, I need a I need a linebacker. I need a defensive back. I need a defensive end. I need whatever. And I'm not able to pay these guys. And it does reward uh, – the system as it's set up now does reward those guys and those uh, coaches that can uh, – and, and GMs that can manage uh, the system and get in, in front of some things and be creative uh, within the system. And um, when you have an Italian evaluator like Dan Quinn and like his staff, that's always going to put some nice, young, fresh talent on the defensive side of the ball. And uh, for Atlanta's sake, that, that's pretty good. But, you know, in a couple of, couple of few years, we're going to have to pay some guys too. So we're going to, we're exactly. going to, we're going to have to make, a, make some decisions about some guys, uh, whether they can be here, whether they can't be here, or, or if we can be creative enough to kind of um, keep this thing going. And it's funny that we would talk about it. We talk about the window of opportunity with Atlanta. But, you know, as soon as the window opened up, it's closing. It's started closing. closing. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It started yeah. closing. So, yeah. Uh, it's just something to see. Yeah, I agree with with what both of you guys said. Um, but sometimes I, I I think that these GMs get caught up on what the market is demanding. This guy got paid X amount of dollars. So now we feel like our play is a little bit better than him. So now we've got to pay him a little bit more. But I agree with you guys. It's, it's management. Then they've got to come back down and say, listen, this guy is not worth that. We only have X number of dollars to pay him because we need X, Y, and Z. Yeah, I, I just think yes, that this no. whole thing, this narrative. Go ahead, go ahead, D-Lit, I'm sorry. No, no, that was correct. Go ahead, Johnson. I just think this it's all narrative driven, man. I mean, I just said to myself, I'm like, these guys are touted. Like, I remember when, um, uh, you know, you look at certain GMs, I remember when. Uh, um, uh, what's your name? I, I'll tell you, man, I'm, I'm going to have to take some more ginkgo, man, because I mean, my mind was <laughs> what's the team. No, it's, it's San Francisco, the GM. He was in, even in the booth for a minute. Um, played in the league. I John, can't. Why am I not doing a place? John Lynch. Okay, John Lynch was shot. <laughs> well, we had to go way around the moment. Lord have mercy. He got it. He got it. I mean, when I look at a guy like John Lynch, his guy's touted to be a young guy, a sharp guy, and uh, then I, I see them come out and pay this. I mean, I get it. Okay, Jimmy Garoppolo, the other guys picked him in the top top 100 in the league. I guess it was 88 or 89. I understand that the guy is 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 you know was the was the heir apparent to Tom Brady, personally picked by right now the greatest coach of all time, Bill Belichick. I get all that, but I mean the guy has not he's not been in one playoff game where he started a playoff game and won the game. He's been behind Brady. And he played, I think, a total of how many, how many games did he start overall? Eight or nine? I think nine. Maybe nine. Now, I get it. People say he's eight and one or, or think or nine and oh, I get that. But I'm saying that's a real small window to say we're going to give you close that to $100 million. Dollars. And then with Kirk Cousins, I get it. I get the fire. I understand the guy has put up some good numbers. But at the end of the day, you're going to guarantee this guy, guarantee him almost $100 million? Yeah. Garanteed. These guys are stealing. 
I, I just need their agent. <laughs> and so I'm wondering, right, right. It's just, it's just not look at this. Everybody keeps talking about the importance of having a, a franchise quarterback. First of all, if you go back and look at Super Bowl MVPs over the last 15 years, and you look at the guys who won the MVP in those games, the, the, the quarterbacks that have won, okay, all of them with the exception of one that I'm looking at on this list, ha- three of them are definitely first ballot Hall of Famers. We know that Peyton Manning, uh, 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 Tom Brady's won it a couple of times, and Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees. Those guys are first ballot Hall of Famers. I get it. But some of the other guys on that list, like Joe Flacco, he ain't going to the Hall of Fame now. Okay, you can get that out of your mind. And the other guys are defensive players. You got guys like Dexter Jackson who won. Deion Branch, you know, is a wide receiver. He won. Heinz Ward won as a wide receiver. So how come they ain't getting paid? San, you know, Santonio Holmes, a wide receiver. Because this is a quarterback-driven league. You know, this is what we do. That's this, the this narrative. It, 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 that's what it is. That's not just the narrative. That's what it is. Okay. Don't have a quarterback and see where you're at. Okay, let me ask you a question. I right, just okay. And this is what kind of irritates me. This whole, <laughs> this whole situation here. All right, name for me, okay, the starting quarterbacks on the NFC Championship game. The NFC Championship game. Yeah, who are the two stars in those games? Um, Nick Foles. Okay. And uh, the cat from um, I can't call his name right now. I'm like you, right? Uh, from Minnesota. What's his name? Come oh, on. um. Uh, yeah, him. Yeah. Him. <laughs> You got three O's. Three O's on air today. So I'm just, I'm just saying, okay, before those games, were those guys you penciled in as franchise quarterbacks? Okay, we're talking about you're talking about a one-off kind of situation with in the case of Case Kingdom and Nick and Foles. Foles. Those are like once in a lifetime situations that happen and just happen to be the right moment, the right time, and the right place, and everything lined up for them. Will, will they do that? Or can Case Keenan repeat that again? I don't think so. Can't, yeah, you know, I don't think he's the franchise kind of quarterback that I would kind of want to build my team on. I, I, I'm not that sold on him. I never have been sold on him. I'm not sold on, on necessarily on Nick Foles. He was in a great system that allowed and afforded him. Uh, 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 Peters did a great job of, of coaching and playing to his talents and what he's able to do. And then you got to think he was already their backup quarterback right. previously, so he was used to that system. That system. So, yeah. you know, that, that's one of, those, one of those situations, one of those things. And, you know, that, that does not, not doesn't make, it, make it be that it's not a quarterback-driven league. It is a quarterback-driven league. Everybody wants to have a great quarterback, a good quarterback play. If you don't, name some teams that it, it didn't happen before. Ask Cleveland if a quarterback is necessary. All right, well, D-Led, D- am, I, am I over the top on this one? I'm going to say there's too much narrative-driven, because they, they light me up in here, bro. Is it, is it me? <laughs> no, no, Kenny has a great point. I mean, you're Cleveland, and you're running through quarterbacks every every uh, couple of years. You know, Brady Quinn, uh, you know, Tim Couch, Derek uh, Holcomb, uh, you know, uh, Brandon Whedon, Johnny Manziel. You know, if you don't have a quarterback, uh, you know, and they've, they've had some good teams, uh Derek Anderson won 10 games with them, but, you know, he wasn't good enough to get him in the playoffs. So, yeah, you do have to have a quarterback, but you don't have to overpay for him. That's all I'm saying. You know, the Falcons have overpaid twice. Uh, you know, they paid Matt like he won a Super Bowl already when he really had just got him to the playoffs. 
Didn't, Come on, man, uh, tell the truth. Contract, they, they're paying him like, you know, he's won a Super Bowl when he, you know, he did get him there and had him, you know, with a big lead. But, uh, you know, they paid him, you know, like he was the top quarterback in the league, and Aaron Rodgers will pop it here soon. But uh, right. that's all I'm saying. Yeah, you need a quarterback, but you don't have to break the bank. I don't know why Detroit right. gave Matthew Stafford $135 million and 92 ever guaranteed. They didn't have to do that. I don't know why they gave yeah, and, 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 Garoppolo $27 million. Go, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead I don't, you don't yeah. have to do that. I agree, with, I agree with that. Detroit set that precedent for that. You know, whenever Detroit did that, it was it was over with. Every quarterback at that point was licking their chops and being like, mm-hmm. okay, my, uh, you know, especially their agents, okay, if he got that, yeah, then I know my guy. Right. This guy right. Like, right. If he got that, you should be able to get this. Oh, Lord have mercy. I, it just... I think Ken, we in the wrong business. We need to we need to start a uh we need to be agents. <laughs> yeah, commentators on those agents getting paid a nice D like what's the percentage now for agents? What do they get as far as percentage of the oh Ken, you would know what do they, what do they get? I mean I, I don't know. I've been a minute it, it, a long time since I paid one. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I think, at the time it was like that was in between three to ten percent or something like that. Like I can remember like seven percent. D like just somebody is it still around seven percent, seven to ten percent? Yeah, uh, no, it's lower than that. Uh, uh, the NFLPA has reduced that number to four, and I think they voted to go down to three point five percent. So that okay. the agents okay. aren't making their money on the contract; it's on the uh, outside endorsements and the marketing deals. Gotcha. But still, I mean, what two point five over a hundred million? That's, that's a, a lot of money. Check right there, baby. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a lot of and, and you ain't. And you ain't getting your head banged around either. Right. I mean, you ain't out there with somebody trying to, 350 pounds, trying to run you into the ground. Man, I tell you, well, listen, Dita, I know you wrote uh, you wrote some outstanding articles um, about, uh, we're going to get into this real quick because I know you got to go. Um, just talk to us a little bit about the sensibility of the league. I know that you and your, uh, uh, your comrade, Jeff Schultz, and before I get into this, I want to give a shout-out to Jeff. I actually went to uh, an event at uh, at the hotel of, of Ken's old haunts, the Georgia Tech Hotel and Conference Center, they hosted an NFL and NFLPA joint symposium on mental health, and and just Jeff's riveting story of how he's had to deal with uh, issues like that with his own son uh, revolving around addiction and so forth. Uh, just great shouts to him uh, and being uh, willing to come out and uh, and talk to us about that. So I just want to say that real quick. But you and him both have written some strong articles about uh, what's been going on with the NFL, with the anthem, and the league's response. So talk to us a little bit about do you think that they made the right move uh, with this uh, response that they've done now, uh, kind of, quote-unquote, laying down the law? <laughs> no, no, it's a business move. Uh, it's the absolute wrong thing to do, uh, to trample over your employees' constitutional rights. Uh, and demand that they respect the flag when they weren't protesting the flag in the first place. They need to have um, done a better job of coming down against police brutality and racial inequality, which is what the players were kneeling about. Now, if they've done a better job of that in their communities, of uh, calling out the police and calling out the uh, racial injustices, then the players wouldn't have any reason to kneel. It had nothing to do with the military or anything uh, with regards to to that. Now, uh, you can protest the flag in a lot of different ways. You can legally burn the flag under the Constitution. 
So to make your um, employees be required to stand for it is absolutely what the flag and the democracy is against. So uh, they've, they've botched this whole thing all together from the very beginning. And uh, I think they've, uh, uh, you know, hurt themselves where they're trying to help themselves and placate to their base. But the players have to be appalled by the league's uh, clear money grab in this situation. And uh, uh, we, it's just kind of appalling that the league is, uh, and the owners are this short-sighted to not realize that they're screwing this thing up. Ken? I mean, uh, uh, Adila, he, he said it all. He said it. He, I mean, <laughs> I mean, he said the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely agree with him. I don't think there is necessarily a, a right answer at this moment in time. I think that there has to be a, uh, you know, especially when when the legislation was, was passed down, I don't even think that with the, the NFLPA was even necessarily aware of what was going on or what was happening. And, you know, you don't have any any kind of interaction with the people. You just give them this and say, this is what we're going to do. And and this is what it is, and and if you're not, so the people that stand in the tunnel are they unpatriotic because they stand in the tunnel? You know, I, I'm, I'm trying right. to I'm trying to figure out where we're going with this, uh, the rabbit hole that we've kind of gone down. You know, if they really wanted to, do, you know, because we don't necessarily at home see the national anthem on TV, so we don't we never see any any of those spots on TV. You might see a little bit of it. You might see, uh, and, and it wasn't necessarily a big focus until people started kneeling, until people started being, you know, um, uh, proactive and, and doing different things. So, you know, I just wish the NFL had a, had, had done a better job of, of really uh, coming out to, um, to speak on this or to, to even not, not even pass a, pass a ruling on it. I would rather them just stand pat and say, we're not going to do anything about this. If you want to kneel, kneel. If you don't, don't. Whatever you want to do. I'd rather that happen than to see what it is doing. And it, it basically, like you called it, it is a money grab. It is, a, uh, it is kind of moving toward their, their numbers and, and all of that stuff. And that's all they're looking at is that bottom line. And whether the bottom line was it, it must have been affected in some ways. I know it wasn't a trillion-dollar effect, but – in some ways, it had to be affected somewhere because we have this new legislation. Yeah, and I, I hope the players are really paying attention. You know, I I like the book, A $100 Million Slave. I just hope that guys realize, listen, these owners, they're telling you, listen, this is what we want, and you guys really don't have a say. We pay you, and you better listen. And if you don't, you're going to be fined. Um, I just wish that collectively – the players in the NFL is really coming down to them because if you decide not to take that field, guess what? Changes will happen because those owners aren't making that money without you being out there playing, running and jumping like you normally do. Well, uh, I told you, but I'm kind of trying to leave my, my, my little <laughs> comments towards the end. So I'm going to, I'm going to do that. Uh, we do have another call on the line, so we're going to do this. D-Led, uh, do me a favor, brother. Uh, please tell people how they can find out about uh, you, how they can follow you on social media, and, of course, one of the best blogs about the Falcons in the business, that 909. Tell them about that, please. Yeah, the Cover 909 blog comes out every Wednesday at 9 a.m. where we try to cover the nine things you need to know about the Atlanta Falcons. Right before the Bowtie Chronicles podcast comes out in the off season on Wednesdays, and uh, you can follow everything on Twitter at 
D Orlando AJC at D Orlando AJC and uh, go to myajc.com and ajc.com for all your Falcons news and coverage. David, I'm, I'm gonna put it out here and warn you. So you know, I have a I have a new Instagram page called OG Style and Fashion. Uh-huh. So if you see your name pop up, rocking one of them bow ties, you you know that's me. You gonna say, "What's that guy?" That's we're gonna put you out there, bro, because you you have an arsenal. Of outstanding <laughs> both yes. Well, hey, I look forward to that. I certainly appreciate it, and uh, I'll, I'll go on the gram and make sure I follow you. Yes, sir. We appreciate you, D-Led. Until next time, brother, be blessed. All right. Likewise, you all take care. Have a great evening. Thank right, you, too. Thank you. All right. We have another caller on the line here. We're going to try to see if we can uh, rouse the caller up here. Uh, looks like their number ends in 8902. Caller, go ahead. You're on the Real Talk Sports Show. How's everybody doing? This is Don Spencer with DNA Sports Talk. And I don't oh, know why he's another guy. D Orlando Let better. I, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I got to fall behind. Well, like that? <laughs> well, I'll tell you why. Because I wanted to have all the brothers that rock the sartorial splendor. Back to back. Uh, Don does a tremendous show. <laughs> uh, him and Ace do a tremendous show called uh, DNA Sports Talk. Guys have been on um, uh, multiple venues here in Atlanta area. I believe now they're on 1100 AM, but I haven't get, get with you and tell you guys about that before it gets off the air. But yeah, brother, be clean. I mean, listen, they even got the official blazers. Oh, they got the, I got the, oh. listen, not no iron on logo, the official embedded. Oh, man, that's when, that's when you know. Right, that's right. Hey, I had to this man was walking around looking clean, him and be your lamb better. So I, I had to come with something. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that, but you and Asa was rocking with the We met you. I said, well, "Who's these right here?" So they got some, got some panache right here. But speaking of, uh, of brothers that are really in the middle of it, um, uh, one of the things that you guys have done, and I think uh, uh, you know, have really part of the African American sports press. You guys have always been uh, straightforward about bringing issues and talking about issues. And even bringing on different sports, uh, you guys do a great job of covering women's sports as well. But you got something coming up, uh, I believe, this weekend. Tell people about well, what you guys are doing Correct. to talk about some of the issues out there. Right. So Sunday from 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, we're going to have a round. Uh, brother, I'm, hold, brother, hang on a second. I'm, I'm going to have to okay. have you repeat that because we had a disconnect on the line. So I have to come on back. <laughs> okay. Go ahead. So this Sunday. From 2 p.m. to 4 p.m., we're going to have a round panel discussion about the NFL policy on the national anthem, as well as a discussion about Sterling Brown and the incident that took place. And I, I thought of this because it's time for us to, to have this discussion, a frank and open discussion about these issues and how it, of course, is related to sports but everyday life. So I am... More than happy to have Minister Simmons to join in. We're going to have the crush round four with Mayfield and Emmanuel Blaze. We're going to have chicks and sports. So we have a female's perspective. And we're going to have the round table. That's at 1100 a.m. So I wanted to get everybody involved, as well as Terrell Thomas from Hip Hop 1987. So a round table of all of us coming together to discuss these mm-hmm. issues. Well, I'm excited about uh, being a part of that, and uh, we really look forward to it, man, because um, it's um, 
you know, if there's some issues that need to be addressed, um, and you know, everybody talks about having a platform, and you, you know, it's it's, it's like anything else. You got to pick your battles, and you know, know when and how to attack. But at the end of the day, man, it, you know, you, you just can't sit there and be idle. <laughs> right. Exactly. And and that's what this discussion is about. So you know, tell everyone that you know to tune in. Uh, all of us will post on all of our social media sites, and you know try and get this conversation going because the group that we have coming together is a group that discusses sports in Atlanta and throughout the nation because we all cover national sports as well. So it's time we have this open discussion. Well, brother, I'm glad you are doing this. Uh, it's been something that, uh, that um, you know, certainly in my own mind, I've been thinking about trying to, you know, do some more things in the press, uh, one of the things that we're going to do later on in the year, uh, good luck one, once I recover from this reconnect surgery, is that I'm going to marshal back around and do the same thing with you and, uh, you know, really try to let people understand. Because now me personally, what I'm tired of hearing is people like, we're the black press, we're not no black press. So we're going to, we're right. going to, you know, good luck one, sometime in the fall, we're going to take care of that. Because I'm going to find some place where we're we all going to be in there. <laughs> And we're right. going to end this question about uh, this statement and let people see that there's plenty of people of color that are covering uh, events. They are, uh, you know, of all sizes and shapes as far as the, the reach of their broadcasts, some podcasts, some Facebook Live, you know, some on major networks. But we're going to, you know, grab all of that. So I appreciate you, man, taking the initiative around this issue. <laughs> You know, not right. saying, well, I'm doing something just on GP. We're doing something that's focused around an issue, which hopefully will be able to honor some solutions. Because, Ken, I think that's exactly. one thing you talk about on the show all the time is that it's great to be talking, but we got to be doing. Right. Yeah, you're right about that. you right. got to be doing, got to be a part of, the, uh, part of the solution. And we can talk about it all day long, but until we actually get out and, and start doing some, uh, some things to positively affect change, uh, you, know, you know, I just, I, I just want to ask, what is it about me that makes, me, that makes you scared of me? You know, is it because I'm, is this because I'm 6'3", 300 pounds? Does that automatic automatically put me into a, a demographic of yep. bad guy. <laughs> so not bad, but I mean, you, I mean, I, I mean, I understand. I'd, I'd be scared of me too. Don't judge me judge before you yes. get to know me, right. before you find out that I'm just a big teddy bear and that I will do anything for you. Don't, don't judge me. I work with the public all day long and uh, in my business. And because I'm a big guy, I'm always, aware of that. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm always aware of me speaking first and me, you know, doing the things that will offset those thoughts because of how I look or right. because of my size or because people think I'm hard to approach just by looking at me. So, you know, the conversation has to be, I think it has to be a 360 conversation all the way around from the, the perspective of, of police, from the perspective of, of us, how we feel, from the perspective of uh, the athlete, from the perspective of all of that, you know, because we really have to know. I don't know that that we can ever get to the bottom of the situation, but I said, as I said before at the beginning of the program, if we would just treat other folk like we want to be treated, you know, or like my mama would want would, would want me to right. be treated, or like I would want somebody right. to treat my mom, right. you know, <laughs> I think things would start. If we start right there, things will get progressively get better, I believe. Jen, as a woman's perspective, a mom on top of that, you know. Well, I mean, do, what he was saying is a conversation I had with my son. I mean, he's six eight, three hundred and ten pounds. 
so I, yeah, so I, so automatically when people see him come in the room, they have connotations of of who he is, and they already make judgments. And so that's something, especially as a, a black mom, um, as a black parent, that's something that you have to discuss with your children. And it's sad that it is 2018, but I still have to have that conversation with my 21 year old. Kind of seems like, uh, man, you 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 you're gonna hit a hot button here, brother. Um, one more time, the uh, date, time, and place. Sunday, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we will post that on the Real Talk Sports, DNA Sports Talk, the Crush Sports Talk, Hip Hop 1987, Six and Sports. I think I got everybody. Oh, and the Round Table. <laughs> so through yes, all those social media sites, we're going to have this up. You can find all that information and Make sure you tune in with your comments and your questions because, as you mentioned, we're going to try and get some type of solution to this. Well, I think it's out there, man. And I think really the, the, the thing about it is, is that what I've discovered since I kind of did some sniffing around is that there are actually some solutions that are that are being used right now in select cities. So we we do have some models of success. So um, I just think it's a, a matter of uh, – some of the things that we do might be new, but I think some of them is just, you know, kind of using the old statement, man, uh, uh, you know, just going ahead and using best practices that are already out there. Well, uh, how can people follow you on social media, website, all that kind of good stuff? Uh, everything is ZNA Sports Talk, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Snapchat, and the website is DNASportsTalk.com. You know, speaking of Snapchat, I might have to get a – like a course on that. Cause yeah, me too. I don't know how Snapchat works. <laughs> That's the, for the young folks. Well, I have it. I mean, the Real Talk Sports Seven got the little, the little, the little man. There. You see the little logo, but there's no activity at all. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll work with Nothing you. Nothing We'll help you out. <laughs> and listen, besides Sunday, is that your new time, or are you guys also still on during the weekday? Yes, we're still on Monday nights from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, but. We wanted to do something special because this issue can't wait. So special time, special time. Right, guys, there it is. Discussion. DNA Sports Talk in the building. Uh, that's Don, his partner, Asa. That's why they're called DNA. Check them out, dnasportstalk.com or anywhere on social media at DNA Sports Talk. Well, brother, we appreciate you, man. We look forward to, uh, even if we can't come, definitely calling in. Thank you. Appreciate you. Thank you. Appreciate you. Bless you, brother. Like I said, man, I mean, it's a lot. Uh, it's a lot going on out here, and I, I just want to again reemphasize the point that there are a lot of uh, people of color in the media, uh, at all levels: podcast, um, YouTube broadcast, ESPN, you know, Fox, uh, the undefeated. I mean, you know, it's just there's a lot going on, and I think that you got to be careful. And that's what I was saying before about the thing with paying a quarterback. How much of that is driven by performance, and how much of the narrative? I mean, where people are saying, "Oh, you got to play this guy." You need to play. I mean, I understand you got to have a good quarterback. I mean, I'm not, I'm, I mean, I get it. Even if you go back and look at those Super Bowl winners, that you know they had compelling quarterbacks. If you look at quote unquote the teams that we consider the great teams of all time, going back in the '60s, the Packers, they had a Hall of Fame quarterback that was on. They basically had the same team for a decade. And that's how they're able to be great. You go into the 70s, you look at Dallas. Now, again, they kind of split them up over time, but the main quarterback that you remember from the 70s right. is Roger Starback. Right. You go in the 80s, you look at the 49ers, the, the, the trigger man was Joe Montana. Montana. 70s into the 80s, Pittsburgh Steelers, great teams. Terry Bradshaw, a lot of people poke fun at Terry, but the guy won four he won. Super Bowls. Exactly. And in those games, 
the oftentimes erratic Bradshaw was narrowed in like a laser. Yeah. And that's what made him a Hall of Fame quarterback that on the biggest stage, he knew how to make plays. And that's why I say, I mean, those guys, if you want to pay them $100 million, of course, they're not around anymore. If you want to pay those guys $100 million guaranteed, oh, okay, no problem. Right. But I'm like what Ken was saying, you know, that resume looked a little thin. But I think it's, it's what you said. It's the narrative that's out there. And it, it's almost like teams feel like, okay, I've got to pay this guy X amount of dollars because player X got this. So right. now I've got to pay Matt Ryan all of this money. Well, the, the thing is, it's not just that player X got this. It's that some other team that is thirsty enough is willing to pay, pay that, right, that yep. money. Yep. So that's what's driving. Right. <laughs> it's not just the player or the media or the or you know or the narrative per se, but it is you know, it's there's a market for it. Right. <laughs> there's really a market for it. There's really a market for quarterbacks and there's really a market for 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 we are rewarding um um I guess whatever the, the, for lack of a better word, just uh you know partial play kind of sort of just you just be good enough to hope. Yeah, be, but, but be substandard and right. we we all right with it. But like in the NBA, I mean we we can see now it's totally different now than it was back in the day because now we draft on potential. Right. When you came out of school before you were a grown man coming out of school and right. you were gonna play, I'm not drafting you just to say okay I want to develop you and I'm but now these guys are getting paid astronomical amount of money for potential. For potential. And it is. And you can be a if you can be a a, a ten and, and twenty guy or a ten and fifteen guy, man, you you, you are you are the bomb. You are- Could you imagine <laughs> back in the day Dennis <laughs> and Kenny coming out of school like doing what some of these guys doing but right. making that kind of dope? Right, I mean right. she couldn't I mean you yeah, couldn't yeah, exactly. you compare that and that's what and, and in essence that is exactly why Oklahoma City is in the position they're in. Right. Yep. Exactly why. Because they, they did – I mean, if you look at that team, that team, had they found any way to keep that team, that was a dynasty. Right. I yeah. mean, you talk about that was a dynasty. You got Russell Westbrook, you got KD, you got uh, uh, Harden, and you got role players like Serge Ibaka on right. that team. So that was a team that had to be able to keep them together. Nobody, I mean, you can talk to me about Golden State and this and that. Nobody would have beat those guys. If two things. One, they've been able to keep them together, and two, they've been able to keep their heads on straight. You're right. Because, you know, that's what happens in basketball. We see it. Shaq and Kobe talked about it. The, the same thing that makes you great causes you to, to, to tear things up because right. of that ego, man. Yeah. Yeah, ego is a, is, a, is a powerful, powerful, powerful kind of um, – uh, it's addictive and it's a drug, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really can make you uh, trip out. And especially if you are a – you can't have a whole bunch of type A personality guys in the same room. Somebody got to That's hard. That's yeah. very hard. That's hard to deal with. <laughs> somebody yeah. got somebody got to fall in line, and somebody got to take the, the back the back seat, or somebody got to take a, a lesser role. And it's funny to me that KD is doing that now. He doesn't he have a do pro- he, he doesn't have a problem doing that now. But right. it, but the pressure is off of him to be the guy because he never. I don't really think he ever wanted to be the guy. Right. Mm-hmm. We we wanted it, the media and and fans wanted him to be the guy because his skill sets were just so phenomenal. Yeah, 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 right. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. But you could tell when he played with Russ, he deferred to Russ every single time. Right. And I don't know if that was because um, he just didn't want the, the, that that to take the last shot or just didn't want to do whatever. But he deferred. But now it's like you can see him kind of like he. It's crazy as it sounds. He really fits 
what they do right. in Golden State. Yeah. Yep. I mean, he doesn't have to be the guy all the time. And the other night, he should have been the guy, and he right. wasn't the guy. Right. How about that? <laughs> How about that? So you should have been the guy. Interesting that you say that, Mr. Swilling. Uh, because, yeah, you look at that team, and even with what I mentioned at, at the beginning of the show, that the fact that you had role players are out, in essence, if you got two guys on your team that potential Hall of Famers, you, you really should be able to. Again, the other team did too. I get it now, you know, with, with, with Harden and CP3. So I'm not trying to slide. Right, right. Right. But still, when one of the guys is longer than anybody out there, you do kind of feel, well, maybe this guy should be able to assert himself right. and do what he needs to do. But unfortunately, um, we, we got a series. <laughs> oh, we got a series now. Right. And, and like I said, and, and we said, we said before, Houston has a legitimate, a legitimate yeah. shot. They do. Right. Uh, to upset the apple cart and, and go into, you know, the finals. I need them to upset that apple cart, though, because, <laughs> I, you know, I'm a Celtics fan. I think that we can get past Cleveland, but I'm scared about us playing Golden State. I think that we could beat Houston, though. I know it's all about wow. matchups. That's, that's, that's some shade to him right there. You know, <laughs> Houston fan, but you said we ain't worried about y'all. And, and basically what you're saying, Facebook, the, the sound that you heard with me throwing up in my mouth when she, <laughs> when she said that she was a, a, uh, a Celtics fan. I'm now from Atlanta, but I, I, know, uh, I, you know, I can't. Mm-mm, the Hawks, I just don't think we're going to do it. So I wow. I have been a Celtics fan well, for a while. Need how, 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 long is, how long is a while? What, what's a while? I have been a Celtics fan since um, KG. How about since you say Kevin K- Garnett? Kevin Garnett, you know, because that's right. my favorite player. Yeah, and, okay, and, I know. But, yeah. but but the one thing you must be crazy too. You crazy too? No, I, maybe a little bit. <laughs> you know, I have to ask my ex about wow. just, just a little bit. Bum, but, bum, but, bum. <laughs> but I but I do think that when you look at um, Boston's team, they play great team basketball. Yeah. They move the basketball mm. well. I mean, just the whole nine yards. If you look and then you turn around and look at at Cleveland. They stand around, and it's all about, I'm looking at LeBron. What are you going to do? And it was crazy the other night. I saw LeBron do something I, I, I've never paid attention to him do. He intentionally stayed out of, like, four or five plays yep. mm-hmm. trying to get somebody else involved mm-hmm. in the ball game. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't it happen. It didn't happen. It just, it just didn't happen because it was like he was looking for anybody to give him them a little bit of life. And I thought they had a little something going with Jordan, with Jordan Clarkson and, um, and Larry Nash Jr. coming off the bench. I thought they had a little something going because that was a game that should have, that could have tilted the other yeah, way yeah. the night. But, it's, but it's hard to, to be the head coach and the star of the team at the same time. And the time. GM. <laughs> and the GM. It's, it's right. hard to do all right. of that. Well, I mean, assistant GM. I'm sorry. I got an assistant GM. I got to put him right. You know, you got Lou on the bench. He's the assistant coach. So, I mean, he can't wow. really tell him what to do. So. Wow. Well, I tell you what I'm gonna do real quick. I'm gonna give some Facebook shout outs. Uh Demarcus Burns, thank you so much. Big shout out to Ken Swilling to Ken, my guy. Of course our man Antoine Smitty Smith, always a strong supporter of the show. And now uh, he was asking he was trying to get D led, I guess, to ask the question, how much did he think Julio was gonna ask for? And that number is probably somewhere in that sixteen to twenty million. If, if, the, top, if the top is getting eighteen. Right. Sixteen to twenty is the number. <laughs> and he number seven. Come right. on now. Yeah. Right. So that's it. And also big shout out to Jimmy Gentry as well, all on uh, Facebook Live. We appreciate you so much. Um, Look, man, I mean, I, I, I I mean, as far as your whole thing with the Celtics, I get the Celtics love. I get it because I mean, I, I, I'm so old. But the thing is, the one thing that you've always know, one thing that we all know about the Celtics is that they know how to build 
great basketball team. Right. I mean, they have a winning organization, a winning tradition. Um, and so I think that's my issue with the Hawks. I just think the Hawks will always be where they are. I think that they're we, we're owned by entertainment group. So I think that's their focus, not winning in terms of that's entertainment, because to me that's entertainment if you win. If you win, yeah. <laughs> if you win. But I think that they're more concerned about what Phillips Arena looks like, um, getting fans in. Killer Mike is my boy, but, you know, his barbershop and all those kinds of things, but not truly what's going to take them to the next level to win. Yeah. So that's why I, I like to be with a winning organization. So well, we, we, go Celtics. Well, we got to give them a chance. Got to give uh, – uh, Tony Russell a chance and, and to see see what they're going to do. Uh, so, you know, I understand your love for them. And the thing that I was going to say about the Celtics, it, it's scary because they're really a way ahead of, of schedule of sorts. And the scheduling is not necessarily ahead of a schedule, but the players that they have are, are ahead of schedule. That's, that's the situation. Yeah, I mean, I, we don't even, I mean, Kyrie is not Kyrie playing. Is not we don't have Gordon, Gordon Hayward is not there. <laughs> well, so that, we're still doing team. this. So right. that's coaching. To me, yeah. we, we have a, if you notice, if you look at how we play, the ball is constantly moving. Oh. If you look at if you look at Cleveland, LeBron has the ball and everybody's looking at him. Yeah. I'm gonna need you not to call out all this weed though. Like, we gonna have a big, we gonna have a problem. <laughs> you keep talking about all this weed. weed. <laughs> well, I will say that again, uh, as you can tell, guys, by my uh, inability to remember names, I, I got a little little tread on the tires. So I'm got a little age, okay. and so in fact, I was actually in college when the Boston Celtics pulled off the maneuver that allowed them to revitalize their franchise. And actually, the L.A. Lakers did some of the same stuff. But people forget that those teams were kind of – they were kind of had faded back a little bit. Right. right. And they both then, over those years of the late 70s, made a couple of maneuvers which were actually – you said to yourself – almost couldn't happen. It kind of mirrors what, what Golden State did, right. except management did it, not a player. Right. Um, Boston took a gamble uh, in 1978 and drafted a guy who was actually a junior eligible and wasted a high draft pick on a guy by the name of Larry Bird. Right. And then keep in mind, not only do you have to burn that pick, but the rules are you have to sign the individual right. before that next draft. Right. Which they did, and of course the rest was history. And then you know, of course the the, the Joe Barry Carroll trade to get Kevin McHale, and excuse me, get Robert Parrish, and then McHale in that in that next draft. And next, you know, you got a dynasty that is born. And of course the Lakers did the same thing, drafting and getting Magic Johnson uh, in that uh, in that same year. So I mean, it, you, you when you have a franchise that is committed to winning, understands not only commitment to winning, but understand the rules of engagement. You know, as much as we can get on the New England about trickeration and this and that and Spygate and filming, what they understood is how to work the system. Now, if they were cheating, they shouldn't have been cheating. I don't endorse that. But they understood, hey, we can kind of – we can backdoor this thing. And if nobody's going to stop them from doing it, shame on the other teams. I mean, really, be honest with you, shame on them. You, you have to kind of take some initiative to say, okay, we're going to do what you do, need to do. Now, the Hawks can do the same thing. This is a defining moment for this team. Mm-hmm. They have, I think it's either three or four picks of the first 34 draft picks this year, and I believe they have two more first-round picks next year. Let's see what they're going to do, though. I, that's, the, that's the thing with the Hawks. I mean, if you look back in the past at their draft picks, hmm, I think they passed up on a lot of players who could have done a lot for the organization. So I'm just, it's going to be interesting to see 
um, what they do with the hand that they're dealt. And keep in mind, 10 years ago, the Hawks were in a similar position. As much as we like to get, get mad and get on um, uh, the previous MGM before uh, Danny Ferry and blast the guy about the ridiculous draft of uh, – of uh, the only thing I can refer to him is what's the name's husband? Yeah. Sheldon Williams. What did you say? What's the name? But, well, Candace Parker. Candace Parker's husband. That's all. That's all I can remember. Parker. 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 I used to love that show, man. I used to love that show. Anyway, um, they love the Miss Parker as uh, husband. Uh, what that was the one I got mad at. But if you look at it, ten years ago, the Hawks made a series of moves that allowed them. Yes, they play in the East. I get it allowed them to finish second only to San Antonio in terms of a run of playoff appearances. And, yeah, a lot of times they're one and done. But I got to tell you, in 2008 and 2009, those number eight Hawks were must-see TV when they took the Celtics champions and finalists to seven brutal games. Yeah, and I, I, I was I – was... At, at uh, Phillips Arena. I was here, too. And I was wearing my Celtics stuff. I wasn't I wearing was nothing. Getting, I was, just, I was I getting blasted. Right. I could not believe that this Hawks team did it. And keep in mind, which is and, – and Coach Bud, who normally is a very reticent man, evidently found his voice because he threw major shade at the Hawks as he said – I wanted to leave because I want to be part of a rebuilding program. I didn't agree with what they did. And so now I'll let you know that probably in this whole thing with Al Horford, that he was being told from the top, hey, man, we, we ain't going to do anything with this guy, so just say anything. Because that – you think about it. 2006, the Hawks made a series of drafts, first Horford at number three, mm-hmm. then Jeff Teague later on, and then a lot of people slammed this pick, and people can say what you want about the guys playing. But for a while there, they had an excellent one-two tandem at guard. They were averaging about 39 points a game between the two of them. Uh, it, it, when you had Teague and you had the shooter. Yeah. So they had a team. And again, I don't care what you say about they got swept. This whole thing went to left behind two situations that shipwrecked this Hawk team. One, Danny, Danny Ferry, Ferry. He got some African in him, which I I'm still to this day I'm wondering, what on earth has that got to do with anything? And number two, Dabo, instead of going back to hotels, I got to get my club on, and then he got clubbed. Yeah. By the, mean, the, uh, that the number two is a is a is a common occurrence. So, I know. Um, I'm just, I know. Listen, I and I get it. I'm not mad at the occurrence. I'm just saying those are the two defining moments yeah. that took this franchise from the precipice of doing something great. Because again, you have a healthy Tabo. Okay, even with the injuries they had to Mari Carpenter, a healthy Tabo means at least they don't get swept. Right. And if they don't get swept, you don't dismantle the team. It's very very possible, and I agree with what you're saying. I, I hate the fact that we did get rid of Danny Ferry. And I, I, a lot of folks didn't like Danny Ferry. I thought Danny Ferry was doing a great job. When he got rid of Joe Johnson's contract, I knew at that moment he would, he should have been the guy. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yep. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And, and I understand why and, and, and the stuff that he read, you know, or that was on a report or whatever, you know, shouldn't have been read. And, and it was bad business for everybody. Bad, it got out bad, all of that good stuff. And um, I understand it. Um, but he was – a transformative GM, if you ask me. Yeah, and I, was, and I don't know if Slink is that guy. I, I, it's hard. It's going to be hard to tell. I know he was a part of uh, an organization that that made some great draft picks, that did some good stuff, and you know won won a couple of championships. But I don't know if that, that just because you're a part of something didn't make you that guy. You didn't make you the you, you know the voice of reason that was in that room that was doing everything and that was pulling the triggers and doing everything. It's easy to to uh, to, to co-captain the ship or, or to be the assistant man yeah. or be the assistant guy. Yeah. You know, it's real easy to be yeah. that guy because most times somebody's above you telling you 
what you can and can't do. Right. The only hope, well, our hope is for the Atlanta Hawks, if you're a basketball fan here, is that lightning strikes again here in Atlanta, where you have a situation where a young GM. When did it strike the first time? Oh. Hold on. Oh, I'm sorry. The preacher has got the pulpit mic right now. Amen. So I'm going to speak my thoughts. I'm just trying to see when it started the first time. What I was going to say is, is that the football team that oh, we've been okay, to watch okay. oh, the last couple of years, <laughs> they followed the same pattern. They took a young guy from an organization that was a winning organization and hope that enough of that DNA rubbed off that he would help this team. And he has been uh, transformative. All right, we're going to go to our, our phone line here. Let's see if we can uh, – we're going to do our cell phone thing again. Hold on. Well, anyway, um, again, guys, if you want to call in on the show – Three four seven three two six nine 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 one. Again, that's three four seven three two six nine 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 one. We'll be more than happy to get you on the air with the show. Uh, we'd love to have you uh, on and comment about what's going on. Um, yeah, so that's what we're hoping. They're hoping that Schlink can bring that same type of magic Thomas Dimitrov did. Remember, Dimitrov came in bad situation. Michael Vick and a lot of you know bad players on that team, and he was able to come in with a new coach. And their first pick has basically been a guy that, you know, if he can win a Super Bowl, might be a Hall of Fame player, Matt Ryan. As much as I don't like him getting paid all that money, I mean, the bottom line, his numbers don't numbers lie. Don't, don't, numbers don't lie. He took the glasses off. Uh-oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm confused. What you confused about, bro? I'm trying to understand, you know, where did this this thing for Matt Ryan come? I mean, why are you jocking this man's pockets? No, I don't know. Because here's why. The only reason I'm saying that is because of what you said earlier is that the team needs to prosper, number one. And number two, I'm going to quote two guys who were legends in another sport. They both had the opportunity to get paid a lot more money, potentially leaving their teams because their teams were both in semi-small market arenas. Both of them said at the end of the day, how much money do you need? Because they were talking about going from a contract of $9.5 million to the the offer at that time from other teams was around eighteen million. They took about fourteen million from the perfected team. I'm talking about Cal Ripken and now once again I got a brain fart. I said the late great Kirby Puckett. Okay. Go to guys, hey man, you making mine nine ten million dollars a year. I mean, and see to me, I guess now I know you said well, minutes you ain't played, you ain't been hit, you ain't been had your brain potentially scrambled. I get it. And and football is one of the few sports like racing which we never want to talk about. But you would die on the field. Yeah. I mean, exactly. you, you, yeah. you know, something right. bad can happen to you on the field. So I get it. But at the end of the day, you, 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 I, you're not going to tell me that I hear somebody saying the difference between 22 million and 26 million. And I hear people saying, I get it. I'm not trying to begrudge nobody their money, but you can't tell me and use a statement. Well, God got to do what's best for himself and his family. Oh, oh, oh. that narrative, you can't use that. Because if, now, if you were telling me you were different between $2,200 a week and $2,600 a week, yeah, you're right. That's going to make a difference between what you get in your family. But $15 million and $20 million, yeah, especially guaranteed? I mean, come on, man. I mean, I, listen, I can manage your money and have you rich after I, that. I, under, I understand the spirit in which you speak. I do understand that. But I have to disagree with you because right. football, basketball, baseball, they're all young men games. Right. I get you it. You cannot do this. For the rest of your life, you got a window. So you got a window of opportunity. 
and if you want to maximize that window and get as much as you can while you can, then you won't have to do anything else once all that's said and done. And that's regardless of whether it's 15 to 20 million, 22 to 26 million, whatever, whatever, whatever the situation is, I'm all for a player getting what he's due while he can because as soon as the window closes, it's closed. That's, that's it. That's it. That's, that's it. right. It. And I guess my, the, the, the bus is, is a cruel situation. Sometimes you, you the bus pulls up and they ask you to get off. Right. But most of the time, they, they just throw you, <laughs> you off, they throw you off right. and you don't get back on. And, I, I, and my anger, really I'm, and I'm sorry, you know what? I have forgotten my roots. My anger is no longer be generated any player. I'm going to stop this. I'm going to blast you big, old, dumb, knucklehead owners. Guys, that you're telling us that supposed to be the captain of the industry, y'all like school kids running around with open checkbooks. You know these guys didn't with all this money. The stupidest thing I've ever seen in my life. So, yes, you're right, Ken. I'm blaming you all this money. I'm mad, I'm mad with y'all because you're supposed to be the captain of the industry. You're supposed to be running multi-billion dollar industry. You wouldn't do it for any other employee, any other business. None of your other businesses do you operate like this. You don't do it. Well, I think, I, and then with, with football, is so different than basketball when you start talking about contracts and, and baseball, yeah. too. You know, it's sad that with a running back, they need to get paid that first contract. Right, right. Because, I mean, the reality of it is by the time you're 28 years old, you're on your you're way old. out. You're old as out. a running back. You really only had three right. years to play that exactly. game as a running back. So I think certain positions – you should get paid just right out of the box. And I honestly think that football players aren't getting paid enough. When you start talking about all the money those owners are making, right. those guys deserve that money. But I think it needs to be spread more evenly, and I think that the contracts need to be set up different. And I think that NFL contracts, need to be all guaranteed, like basketball contracts. Right. The majority of their contract is guaranteed. Right, especially first rounders. Exactly. I, mean, I think when we get into the first, second round, you know, even to the third round to some degree, because third round pick sometimes in a, in, a, in some organization, that might be their second pick overall. Exactly. You know, so that would be a great situation for that to happen. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm agree with you on, on that one, Jen, that, that that should happen and it should be that way. But, um, you know, <laughs> I don't know, Minister, you know, you just – <laughs> you, you you really on the tangent tonight. I tell you, I've never seen you, you know, this way. And I don't know if it's because Jen is here. You know, I don't know if it's because Matt Ryan didn't uh, didn't uh, talk to you about about something or, or didn't get and give you answer one of your questions when you <laughs> when you were um, when, <laughs> when you <laughs> when you were up at Flower Branch. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm uh, thank God for. Uh, for the for the, you know people that 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 watch our show. Yes, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I was wondering why my timeline was blowing up. Listen, that tattoo. Well, this is what I've always told people that real talk sports is now must see TV. It's real. It's real. <laughs> That's why it's very, very well. We appreciate April and many others who have informed us. Um, 
uh, about Miss Jen. I, and see, I thought the excitement before people, hey, yeah, you got, because first they were complaining that all I was getting was the back of your head. That's why I changed the camera view, but evidently. That's all good, though. I mean, you know, we, we, uh, we, we keep it real on Real Talk Sports. Now we do it. I was wondering, that's family. That's family, though. Thank y'all. See, and this, this is what I've said before, because a lot of times this show, as, this tries, as we try to grow the show and do different things, we have had all kinds of malfunctions. The, the sound has went off. The, the video has went out, so we appreciate people trying to contact us on the phone or on instant message or whatever, just saying, hey, oh, by the way, uh, we can't hear you. Or, by the way, uh, you know, your camera's pointing towards the moon because a lot of times we don't know because we're on the air. So we do appreciate you so much, and we appreciate even warning us about mal- ma- uh, wardrobe malfunction. Malfunction. <laughs> we appreciate those as well. So <laughs> we thank God for each other, one of you, uh, that uh, – Y'all got some good eyes, too, because, I mean. Yeah, I do. Right. Thank you. Right. I appreciate Amen. it. Amen. We well, appreciate you on that. We're going to go back and watch the show tonight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Everybody's going to be. When's the replay going to be on? I'm going to edit the broadcast. How about that? Thank you, Jonathan. Okay. How about that? But, yeah, man, I mean, I guess that's what it is. I mean, and again, we don't want to begrudge anybody because at the end of the day, you're right. I mean, the average life of a football player is four years. And I think the two things that I, that I would like to see happen is the owners be a little bit more judicious of the money. because And here, here's why fans push back, especially in a case like the Falcons, because in almost no, – no, I'm sorry, Mr. Blank. It's not a Falcons thing. It's a sports team thing. The reason why fans sometimes get sideways when these things happen is because, yes, do we understand the window is small? We do kind of. We don't think – we can't really do unless you've been in that level where you know that you're – that literally sometimes from year to year, the skill set that you had has diminished yeah. enough to make a huge difference in what you're paid. And nobody – I don't care what job you're on, it's very where that will happen. I know even with doing sales. I mean, yeah, I've been on jobs where I've been a number one sales guy. guy come in and literally – I had a situation where a lady came in who was a veteran salesperson, and she was just – all her places she was at, they called her the queen. Okay. And she came to me, you know, just straight up and said, brother, now I hear you the king, and I appreciate you very much, but the queen is here now, darling. Wow. And she goes, you were salesperson of the month this month. She goes, but next month I'll be here a whole full month. I just wanted to let you know. Oh, she was coming at you. Yeah, let me tell you something. (laughs) She did? Listen, the next month I stepped my game up. I went from, I think, 17 units to about 18 I was like, maybe 19, one of my yeah, best like ones. You, I thought you were going to say 25. <laughs> no, no, hold up, hold up. That's, that's the best part of the story. I'm swelling up thinking, oh, 18, 19 years. Because for me, I was never that kind of guy. I was always a steady guy, 14, 15. A lot of times I get my awards because of attrition. Cats right. would be there and they'd leave. And I'd be like, well, I ain't going nowhere. Right. The next month where I had my 19 swell up, she had 26 units. Oh, wow. Out the door. And this is a woman that walked in the door, and she'd only been there for 30 days. Yeah. Well, if you can sell, you can sell. Right. You know. I was like, dang. <laughs> was she pretty? No, nah, wasn't by all that. I mean, just she a just, good sales person. She, listen, she was an ex-military, and she was just, I mean, fearless. I mean, she would say stuff. That I was thinking, man, she just got in the kitchen. I remember a couple, I used to sit next to her. I remember a couple came in, and the guy, you know, husband and wife, and, and, and you know, the guy was like, well, you know, we want to stay around XYZ payment. And she looked at him. She said, now, now, honey, I know you're not going to let this beautiful thing that done bore you three children walk out of here without this vehicle for about $50. I know you're not that kind of man. I love it. Put him on the Listen, spot. 
The guy looked at me. I want to pay something on The guy looked at me, and I just told him, I said, dude, I got no help for you at all. I mean, he looked at me, looked at me like this, like, yo, I was like. Did she just say that? Yeah. Yeah, she said it to him, and the guy, I mean, within about 15 minutes, he was inking up. Yeah. And looked at I, me again. I was like, well, bro, I mean, I ain't, you know, I mean, you, you, you told me. Yeah, you look, mama happy. We all happy. I guess mama's yeah, mama happy. happy. <laughs> but, yeah, she was very, very good at what she did. So I, I understand that. But at the end of the day, again, I blame the owners because, and you, going back to the reason why people get irritated, because all of these teams are subsidized by Joe Consumer. You have to, I mean, the, Arthur Blank, as nice a man as he is, went to Casino and said, well, you know, they got a lot of room up there on Peachtree Industrial. I mean, we don't want to move up there. But if you can't get these two black churches to sell, we might got to go. And so they had to do that. And they went to the state. And so I know the Georgia Dome was like a basically a state-owned thing, but we, we can't do that. We, we have to have the lion's share of these profits. And oh, by the way, when they go to try to leverage the money to build this billion-dollar stadium, well, you know, the, the construction guys said, how are we going to get paid? Mr. Blake said, well, I know you Falcons fans are used to getting season tickets, but good news for this new stadium, you get to get your own personal seat license. That raised $136 million cash. That's like a straight big. So that's why people sometimes get irritated. But what we do is, again, we get, you pointed out, we get sucked into the narrative. We blame it on the players. Now, the player didn't put a gun to the owner's head, okay, at San Francisco. Look at man, you give me that money. We didn't. You got guys who are supposed to be brilliant minds of business, getting out money, and all the other businesses. The employee walked in and said, hey, I have little or no experience. I want to be the highest paid guy here. They would tell them, okay, you need to go to the house. <laughs> right. But but the the thing about that is a lot of these these owners are fans of the game. Exactly. So they're like little boys. That's my They point. get caught up in it. They get caught up in it. And, again, it's a lot of it. Uh, yes, yeah, some of it is their money. But, again, a lot of it is our money. So they playing with other people's money as well because it really gets tight. If you got a good product, it's bump the ticket price. Yeah, I like to play with the house money. Ain't nothing wrong with playing with house money. Ain't nothing wrong with playing house money. I'm just saying, and, and What you're saying, Minister, I do understand exactly what you're saying because the uh, the owners, they are, they should set the, the table or whatever, and, it, and it, they should receive a lot of the blame for, for all of this crazy stuff. But you have to look at us too, because we buy for it. We buy this stuff. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, yeah, you know, there's plenty of blame to go around. You're right, bro. You know, if, if we're not, you know, we got to take some of the blame too, because we buy it. We, you know, mortgage our houses. Yeah, for, we're paying that PSA on We're paying now. the PSA to go down there and sit mm-hmm. down in there. So, you know, it's 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 there. It's there for us. You know, and and they. Pretty smart dudes, if you ask me, if you can get other people to, if you can build something, let other people pay for it, and then you you still make millions and billions of dollars from it, and, you know. And, and it's not really, and your product hadn't gone to, you know, hadn't won a Super Bowl. Right. And they still can ask for that kind of money. And, and get it. And get it. And get the money. Um, I couldn't do it. They're still calling me. Are you going to get your season tickets? No, I can't give y'all that, that 1500 for that PSL. I can't even do it. I mean, and listen, and don't blink about it. Don't blink. They just, oh, well, good luck. I mean, you, you hope, you get a single, hope you get a single game ticket. Right. What you're looking for, I mean. Right. So, I mean, I guess that's what my irritation is. And not, and then last but not least, that they're in a league that is designated to be an association and under the offices of a nonprofit and, and, and got a lot of rules from Congress where they can skip around rules. They don't have to abide by the same regulations. Right. 
Yep. I'm just saying we all you like we all drink, but we same on us. We all drinking that Kool Aid because it's the same reason why this whole situation with the anthem is where it is. Is because the, the the average individual, it's like a guy wrote something about the Romans back in the day, and they talk about bread and wine in the circus. Because when you put people in a situation where the average guy is, you know, and again, some of us are our own spending habits, I get it, but the average guy is really not making enough to feel, quote, unquote, comfortable. And there's drama. I mean, you know, as time has gone on, yeah, nobody's knocking on people's doors, but there's a lot more drama going on and a lot more stints that's hitting your eyes because of social media, because we're always on our phones. So people are like, Irritated all the time, so they need these escapes, and that's why you see people on Twitter, man. When Malcolm Jenkins, I mean, I, if I was that guy, I don't know if I could keep my Twitter on. I just scrolled down to some of the accounts, and people would just laugh right. after yeah, the they got the players because they were like, "Dude, we don't care about this thing, man. I mean, we just want to be entertained, and that's what people. That's what we have done. We have, we have, we have dumbed ourselves down to this point where we can't. If, if it's any too much stress or drive, it's too much drama. I got enough of my own life. But, yeah, but some of these things are going to affect you. Right. right. I mean, I got heard a guy on one of these, you know, one of these conservative talk shows. It affected him because the, guy, because the guy was trying to explain that, you know, that he has some, you know, him and some of his people crossed the color lines. And so now they got kids and grandkids, and he says now he's seeing, even in the family, people saying stuff. Saying stuff, yep. See, now all of a sudden, and, and see, but, but to some degree, that's what we need. We need people to understand that, hey, man, this is not a joke. I think to myself, I mean, yeah, there are times I'd like to be younger, but a lot of times I'm thinking I'm glad I'm this age because I have now less of a concern that if I get stopped, that someone will go the wrong way until I saw this 65-year-old sister get jacked up. Now I'm talking to think, well, man, doggone it. Doesn't even matter. It doesn't matter how old you are. Jonathan, when I lived in Chattanooga, Tennessee, People now I'm a black female, so I'm not, and I'm from Atlanta. So driving a certain car, I didn't even think about that when I lived and when I went to Chattanooga. But they thought about it. So once you start getting pulled over three and four times, or your ex goes to jail because of the police, it, it yeah, it was it was a mess. It, so it was I was glad to come back to Atlanta, but it's kind of it happens all over, and I think that. People don't realize it happens until it happens to them. So right. now that some of these owners have, you know, kids that have crossed the color line and they have black grandchildren, maybe they'll start seeing that, listen, this is real. I don't want my grandchild to be affected by that. Yeah, I think, again, as far as the players and the protests and things like this, we're about to wrap it up. I mean, one of the things I'll just say is this. We have to find a way to, again, shift maybe the narrative maybe it has to be something where it's away from the field where you have a list of actual targeted things that we want to do and say and, and, and here's the thing the other thing that is really disingenuous about this is that several teams have actually taken steps they've met with the police they've had town forums so you, you know there is some progress being made we just need more, and we need to have people be honest. It's like I tell people all the time. I say I have plenty of friends, Christians, but they are staunch Republicans to the right. And sometimes I have to get them. They get on their they get on this on their page, and they go off to the left. I tell them, look here, man. What we need is for people to stop having diatribes and instead having dialogues. It can't be a constant, you taking shots at me, I'm taking shots at you, because here's the, the whole situation. I don't want to go in the wormhole, 
But people have to understand that some of this stuff is designed to create a chaotic society. Okay, there are this bigger fish to fry. It's not a black and white thing. You're very naive if you think that that's what it yeah. is. Okay, this is this is about money, about that's power. <laughs> right. It's about people wanting to control you, and they'll do anything to get you pointing at one another. Meanwhile, all these bills are being passed. While you're talking about a guy taking a knee, you have bills being passed that are allowing companies to dump waste in your rivers. Yep. Okay. You're worried about a guy that's kneeling down. Kneeling is a form of submission. That's a submissive pose. When you go to pray, you pray on your knees. Why? Because that's a submissive pose. So what are we really saying here? And here's the last thing that really gets me. All this talk, people are going down the room talking about my constitutional rights. Stop it. Go back and look at what the young man said that he was trying to get accomplished. He wasn't talking about his constitutional rights. He said, I just want people to honestly look and say it's not right for an unarmed person of any color. Okay, to be shot down when they're not doing anything. You have a situation here in Marietta where you had an Army veteran. So we're not talking about some thug. We're not talking about a guy who is a young guy. We're talking about a guy in his 40s, I believe, who's an Army veteran who served this nation. So you want to talk about the flag. This is a guy that put his life on the line that was shot in somebody's backyard, and he was buck naked. And the officer claims, I felt my life was at risk. Now, I could go off and make a a funny joke here to say what could that guy be carrying <laughs> that was scared off so so bad. Listen, listen, but I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. But I'm saying to myself, what could you be in fear of your life from a naked person? I don't get it. What could you be in fear of your life to a young man running across his grandmother's backyard that you would find suit that you would shoot him multiple times in the back? Fear of what? Right. And this is what this is what Colin Kaepernick was trying to say. This is what these NFL players are trying to say. They're not trying to disrespect the flag. First of all, if you look at the Washington Post article, it's the truth. If you go to any game, 70,000, 80,000 people, there are thousands of people that are paying no attention to that national anthem. No yep. attention. If they're going to do all that, stop selling beer and liquor while, while, while we up there. Uh-oh. Exactly. You know tell, the Uh-oh. Tell, tell the truth. 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 You know, if if, we, if truth be told, let's stop all, let's stop everything that we're doing. Yep. You know, let's stop everybody from working, everybody from doing what they're doing. But because it became such a popular narrative and it was, uh, you know, precedent that was set by by forty five, we have the the kowtowing of the the NFL owners to to make up such a ruling, and it's shame on you, shame on yeah. you. You know, I, I just I just think that things have to get better, and they they're probably gonna get a whole lot worse before they get better. though. Right. The, 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 the rule that they set out, that's not going to make it better. But, but, but see, here's the thing. I mean, at the end of the day, again, we, we, you, you want to get to the point of what are you trying to accomplish? And that's really a big thing for me. I mean, I understand the players want to protest. Especially I know when you're young that you feel like, okay, I want to do something. But you might have to attack it differently. I mean, just at the end of the day, because, I mean, at the end of the day, you, you, if you're not really driving a narrative that's going to change something, then you're kind of wasting time. I mean, I, I, I get that everybody's that's unhappy, but there's other ways to attack it. First of all, if you really want to protest, and I would say it's to ministers the same way. If you really are, are, are disappointed what the police are doing, where we should be, where we should be is what I remember I went to one of these gigantic forms of faith that was held up at, um, at Franklin Jensen's church. Okay, we brought in guys from all over the country, and he brought in one guy, a Hispanic guy from San Antonio, 
uh, San Antonio area, and and uh, and, a, and a, uh, also a guy from the Baltimore area. And he said what they did was they got all the ministers together, and they they found out where all the police precincts were. And what they did was they set up groups, and they said what they did is they at targeted times they went five guys here, four guys here. They went in front of that precinct, and they had a prayer vigil in front of the precinct. Okay, but what that did was is that when people saw these men and women praying, they were like, hey, man, something has got to be wrong and started to drive conversation to change. And they said, hey, we offer the police officer. We want to meet with you, explain to you and let you see the, the, the emotion of the system, not the people. And it was very, very controlled. You couldn't use bad language, but they wanted people to see the pain of what they have caused. The other thing these guys do now, and this is the flip side of the coin. They went into all the drug-infested neighborhoods, all the neighborhoods that had the high homicide rates, and they did the same thing. Because to me, you can't have one narrative without the other. I know people are always bringing black on black on because it's like anything else. You can't say one thing's a sin and the other one's not. It's a problem. And see, and what I believe is we address both of them, and we brought people to the table and said, listen, we're going to not stand for violence in our community. And we're not going to stand for them from the police because the police, yes, we're going to hold you to a higher standard because you say in your oath, the oath says, I'm here to protect and serve or serve and protect, however you want to do it. It's the same oath that a doctor takes. The doctor says, well, anything, do no harm. So if you don't want to do that, then you need to be, just like you tell these players they need to do something else, then you, you Mr. Police to. Officer, you need to get into another job that you feel more secure and safe. Yeah. I'm not mad at you. I mean, I, I wouldn't want to be a police officer because of those same reasons, but but I'm not. If you take the job, you can't say I'm going to be Lieutenant Rambo. Right. Okay. This is not Vietnam. You're not in the jungle. You are, you are taking care of other American citizens, whether you like their color or where they come from or not. I, but, I, but then as to that, I think that there needs to be more psychological evaluation. That too. For, you know, for these guys because they're crazy people in, in all areas of life. So you might have some teachers, you might have doctors. Right. That's why you want to be arming the teacher. Exactly. Teacher get mad. I'm sorry, this kid backslashing me all the time. And, that, the and, we, him. and we all know I've had some crazy teachers that thank God they didn't have a gun. Amen. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm just saying, guys, and, and, and one of the things, and if you guys want to take a look, I'm gonna point, I have a blog that I wrote out. It's called uh, 24 Steps. Uh, you can look at us on uh, realtalksportsatl.wordpress.com. You just pull it up, and it gives eight things that the citizens need to do, eight things that the police need to do, and eight things that the federal government or state government needs to do. And I think if we start implementing these things, you would see a lot less drama. And that's one of the pranks I had on their testing. Mm-hmm. It should be that no guy that comes or woman that comes out of out of an army situation where they saw combat, it should be a minimum to me of 12 to 24 months before they're allowed to have a – a, a job patrolling the streets yeah. because they were in an urban warfare environment. So I don't care how well adjusted you are. If something jumps off, guess what? A trigger. The training is going to click in. Yeah. So if you had, if you've been, if you've been in a combat situation, minimum 12 to me, 24 months and very, very rigid and thorough psychological testing before you're allowed to take a field job. You can take a desk job. That's fine. Right. But not when you're patrolling out in the community. And carrying a gun. <laughs> well, speaking of carrying a gun, we, they're about to shoot us off the air because we reached at the end of the program. Here. So uh, <laughs> we're going to get final words, Mr. Ken. Well, I'm just uh, thankful again for uh, you allowing me the opportunity to stand and sit with you and, uh, and talk a little bit. Um, I'm surprised um, that you have so much uh, 
to say tonight about Matt Ryan. I I thought Miles would be the guy that would hate on wow. Matt Ryan's on, on Matt Ryan's contract. I hate on the guy. I, I, no, I, I understand it. And as as uh, Dan Quinn would say, uh, uh, I recognize the question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, no, as I always say, um, uh, let's love more and hate just a little bit less. I, I love messing with the minister because he is such a good guy, and uh, he's Sometimes. always a, a, a good sport about every all my little little, little slight jokes. But uh, it was good to see you too, Jen. Yeah, it's <laughs> good to be back with my my Georgia Tech family. That's right. And I just had another Georgia Tech family member that uh, I want to kind of shout out, James Forrest. Oh, right. is actually doing a camp coming up this summer. He's having okay. four sessions from June 4th all the way through June 29th. So you, if you guys uh, check out James Forrest, get him. Um, you shoot him an email. He can let you know all the details at jfarrest7272 at com, and it'll be uh, held on Memorial Drive at First Iconium Baptist Church. So, 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 Jen, does that mean you're going to be uh, on the on the scene reporter? Oh Lord, yes, I, I'll go report. Report go. what, what, what my Georgia Tech folks. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> All right, guys, we had a minister kind of went off the rails a little bit tonight, but uh, you know that's because you know, like I said, I'll be taking a sabbatical uh, coming up shortly, so I might as well get it in now. So, uh, but again. <laughs> Uh, all these things we, we, that we're talking about, you have to understand that really you can't legislate morality. You can't legislate good behavior. So, you know, I close the broadcast every day. Uh, every time I get off the air, I always ask you, do you know the Lord Jesus Christ, your personal Savior? Uh, if you don't, please, ma'am, please, sir, get to know him today. Why? Because he loves you, number one. Number two, that's the way that you really have the power to resist these things. Because I'm going to tell you, when you're mad, when you're angry, I don't care who you are, you're going to you want to do some things. And it's really only through the power of the Holy Spirit that you restrain. And even if it helps you love people you may not want to love. And we need that in this world. That's why that song back in the days, you know, what the world needs now is love. Okay, and that's what we all need. That's what Ken says, that we need more love and a lot less hate. Everybody, uh, we hope that you have a great rest of the evening. Please share the broadcast. Uh, please let people know that we are here. Uh, next week, we probably will not be here. Uh, we will probably be on the road. There's a couple of events going on. One of the South Florida Chambers, I might be doing a live broadcast from there, but uh, we will be uh, up somewhere doing something. And uh, keep your eye out again. Follow us anywhere on social media, at Real Talk Sports 7. Uh, we're there everywhere, including Snapchat. But if you're there, like I said, you probably will get no reply. <laughs> Bye, everybody. God bless you, and have a wonderful rest of the day. Um, and rest of the evening. God bless you.